Hello, Scream Demons, and welcome to the Screens from the Basement podcast with Sam and Casey. This is a bi-weekly horror podcast in which two horror fans discuss all things horror, including news, collectibles, recent watches, uh, recent watches, horror collectibles, and more. I'm one of your co-hosts, <laughs> Casey. And I'm Sam. And let's, and let's get... get- Messing up the intro. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Sam, how the heck are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We are here. We are uh, back with another episode here on this lovely, lovely Friday here in South Dakota. Um, Yeah, I'm excited for today's episode. I'm excited. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. We got a lot of news. We got a lot of recent watches from both of Mm -hmm. us. We've been doobie doing a lot of things. Um, and we have a big topic for this week. Brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Brace yourselves. Can we just say it? I I lost the bet. Sam lost a bet. I lost the bet. I won a bet. (laughs) The bet was, and if you remember, this was, I don't know, first maybe like three, four episodes of the show, maybe? Might have been that far back. Is when the show was still a baby. Still a baby. We are now in its teenage years, and oh boy, are we going to go through some growing pains in this episode. Are they awkward? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the bet was us picking the killer in Scream 6. Sam had uh, made the choice of... I mean, the deciding factor was, was it Hayden Panettiere or was it Dur- uh, uh, Dermot, Dermot Moroni? Yeah. And, and I it, lost. Spoilers, it was not... Hayden Panettiere from Scream 6. It yeah. was, in fact, Dermot Maroney and uh, his bastard children in that movie. Yeah. Nah. We both got Tony Revelori correct. Yeah. We both guessed that correctly. I think that was a, a big win for us in the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah. We both um, kind of like, we both nudged each other when he took like, his mask yeah. off. Like, At least one of us is right. <laughs> Even in the uh, third act, we both like lo- there was a point where we both looked at each other. We're like, yeah. one of us is right. One of us not- is actually right. Yeah. We're not going to a draw in this. One of us is right on this. Uh, it just so happened uh, that I was right and Sam was wrong and I won the yeah. bet. I think they made the wrong choice. <laughs> they made the right choice. No, they did. I love Scream 6. I, I adore that movie. But And yes. speaking, speaking of right choices, I then had the. The distinct pleasure of picking today's episode. The reason why we waited this long, we wanted to wait for everyone to watch Scream 6. It is available um, on streaming right now. It has been for about a month now. So we figured, all right, spoiler ban can probably be be lifted on the movie. I mean, we've spoiled the movie here in the first three minutes of this podcast. Yes. But... I had the... Sorry if you haven't seen Scream 6 yet. Hey, that sucks. Sucks for you guys. Uh, you're in for a wild one here, though. Uh, I then had the distinct pleasure of picking today's topic. Full disclosure, I had a topic before the one that we settled on for this. It was going to be Terrifier 1 and 2, which I did watch the first one again. Mm-hmm. But after watching the first one, I'm like, Sam is going to hate this so much. And I didn't want to put you through that. I, I don't like the first one. I am I am morbidly curious about the second one. And we'll get to, we'll do those eventually on the show. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We've already had a uh, guest request for that. Andy Heller from Fat Dude Digs Flicks is requested yeah. to be our guest. That will help, I think, 
make it more enjoyable at least for you to to watch those yeah talk about them as a as a group more so than you and i i guess even see even if i don't uh particularly love a movie a lot of times a discussion with someone who's passionate about it at least helps me i I don't know you see it in a different light and it's hard to like totally hate that like i love that experience of like oh that's cool that someone gets something different out of this than i do Mm -hmm. happened when we did backlot 1979 dracula with friend of the show uh ansel farage hey I disco, not, Dra- disco dracula rules yeah Still i did not vibe there. with that movie but that was a fun episode let's hope sam vibes with these movies because boy oh boy we're jumping <laughs> into the world of charles band's full moon it's a full moon episode ladies and gentlemen brace yourselves we are going to be discussing two movies that i picked to kind of capture the the spirit of full moon a filmography that's filled with literally hundreds of movies. How do you pick just two? I tried. I did my best. No, we're not talking about Puppet Master. We're not talking Evil Bong. We're not even talking Ginger Dead Man. We're talking 1992's Demonic Toys and 1990... Is it 97? I thought it was 96. 96? Yeah. Checking my thought. 96. 96 is Head of the Family. A movie that, spoiler alert, I now have rated higher on Letterboxd than Casey does. All right. All right. (laughs) I'm excited to talk about both of these movies. I try to find two movies in the Full Moon canon that kind of capture everything. And we'll talk about why those movies specifically capture everything that Full Moon is about. And I think both do a really good job of that. Yeah. I... I am very excited to discuss these. I definitely liked one more than the other, yeah. but there were things that I loved about both of these. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on both. I know you really For liked the record, one. Though, I, I have no idea an... what you thought of the other one. <laughs> For the record, I would love to uh, do an Evil Bong episode, though. Because Oh, yeah, yeah. We can do an <laughs> Evil Bong and Ginger Dead Man episode down the line. Yeah. it's It's been so long since I've seen either of those, because those came out in like, the mid-aughts, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I saw those back when I was still a young one. <laughs> those were the two big franchises. Even, I think they released an Evil Bong last year, maybe 2021. I think so, yeah. They but did. But those were the two franchises keeping keeping full moon, keeping the lights on at full moon for a while. Yeah. Yep. But, no, we're, we'll talk about those eventually. I do want to yeah. talk, talk about those at some point. Um, but we are going to be talking Demonic Toys, Head of the Family. In a full moon filled episode. But before we get oh, to yeah. that, Sam, let's jump into seller news. Seller news. Hey, all right, seller news. Let's jump into it. Sam, what's the first thing we got up here? And this is this is this is right up your alley. Yeah, this uh this first news story, which I implored Casey to watch the trailer he did not i didn't i didn't watch it i i kind of forgot this was in the news i'm telling you man this is this is insane this is blasphemy in the highest order no the meg 2 has new posters the full trailer that i'm guessing is probably the same footage that they showed at uh at cinemacon um 
is now out to the public online and it is everything that the hype tweets promised. It's all set to Hearts Barracuda. There are like three different Megs. There's a big giant squid thing. There's a whole bunch of different creatures. A Meg takes out a T-Rex. Jason Statham's walking on a mecha suit in the floor of the ocean. And a Meg is like, he's like hiding from a Meg underwater. It's insane. I'm so freaking unbelievably pumped for this movie. I mean, Casey, look at these posters. They're gorgeous. They're something. This Sam, like, we were talking beforehand, I and, and we've talked about it on the show because we talked about the mag a couple times. This yes. is 100% Sam Lens territory. Yeah. Um, I've watched like 15 minutes of the first one and fell asleep or turned it off. Can't remember. It, I was so bored. I will watch it. <laughs> And we are going to be doing Shark Horror this summer, probably around this time for the Meg 2. Hell yeah, we are. I've already got a double feature planned for that one. Okay, good. Um, I'm not going to be watching this in the theater, Sam. I'm going to be there, like, probably opening night, dude. <laughs> yeah, that, Sam will be wearing a shark fin on his head. Be so excited to watch <laughs> watch the Meg 2, the trench. Uh, yeah, this, I don't, I don't, it's, it's not getting my juices flowing. You. You're gonna get me into you're gonna get me into full moon fever this year, and I'm gonna make you a shark attack head. All right, let's let's do it. The same way you got me into wrestling, and I'm continuing to get you into reggae. Casey's going to a reggae show with me, guys. I guess it's so. happening. I guess it's so. happening. <laughs> All right, what's up? All next? right, the next one. Oh my god, I'm so excited about this news. Uh, Mike Flanagan is adapting the Stephen King short story, Life of Chuck. And Tom Hiddleston and Mark Hamill have already been attached to a star in this. Um, Sam, what is what is Life of Chuck? We got a, a double double King uh, piece of King news here with this one and the next one. What is, yes. I don't, I have no idea what Life of Chuck by Stephen King is. Okay, so Life of Chuck is, it's not really a horror a horror story it's one of his like more dramatic things think more like the movies stand by me but the short story is the body uh like green mile like shawshank redemption that type of thing it's a story that's very cerebral that's told in three parts and it's essentially it centers around this guy chuck who is dying of like some undisclosed disease like it's just or maybe it does disclose it. It's been a while since I've read the story. Um, and then it kind of goes, the story goes like backwards through his life until it reaches him as a child moving into a house that he finds out is haunted. Um, and it's a very interesting, like, I don't want to spoil like what happens at the haunted house because it's like, it brings the whole story together in a way that's just like, it's kind of cool. Um, as I was reading it, I remember thinking, this is unfilmable, but I bet you someone like Mike Flanagan could work wonders on this because he did it with Gerald's game. And lo and behold, Mike Flanagan has chosen to do Life of Chuck, and I could not be more excited. And if they do this and then pull the plug on it like they did his revival adaptation, I will burn Warner Brothers to the ground. <laughs> I mean, if anyone can do this, it's Mike Flanagan. He's kind of the king, pun intended, of Stephen King, <laughs> Stephen King adaptations. Like, if yes. you're gonna, 
look at anyone to adapt King, it's it's Flanagan because, I mean, he's really the the film version of King, in the themes yeah. that King presents throughout all of his novels, the ones that kind of you know intertwined in, in at least thematics. Flanagan does that in his films as well, and when you watch something, you know it's a Flanagan film. I'm excited for this. I love Tom Hiddleston. Obviously, mm-hmm. I love Mark Hamill. Mike Flanagan is arguably my favorite working director today. This yep. is some news. I wonder what it means for his. He's doing an adaptation of uh, the Dark Tower. The Dark Tower, right? For Amazon. For Amazon, yeah, he's doing a whole series. I wonder if that's maybe finishing up, and this is the next project after that. Potentially. I, I love it. Like you said, I mean, even in his works that aren't like based on King, he still has a lot of, a lot of Kingisms in his stuff. I mean, he essentially Midnight Mass is like, well, do you know what Midnight Mass is? Essentially, like I have no idea what the, okay, then I won't tell you. It's even about. Okay. Then I I won't tell you what Stephen King book it's essentially an adaptation of oh no no, no. Like, i've heard of that oh that. okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's all it's, i know about it though oh god it's so great it, and it's not that book at all but like it's it's very similar in themes and tone and uh yeah no one does king like flanagan no one makes movies or tv like flanagan mm-hmm. and i can't wait i mean he could announce that his next thing is like a freaking Teletubbies movie. And I go opening night. I'd go for a Mike Flanagan Teletubbies movie. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Let's make I want to see the grief that Tinky Winky's going through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, Osgood Perkins. You know yes. the name. He's the, uh, the son of the great Anthony Perkins. He's made a couple films. He made, uh, Black Gretel. Coat's daughter, Black Coat's daughter. I was going to say Gretel and Hansel. Uh, yeah. What else? He's made another. There's another um, one in there, right? Is it called? Is it just called a ghost story? There's there's one he made for Netflix. That's something that's just. It's called like. That's not what it is, though. God, no, what else? I'm not, is sure, he I'm done? not sure. Anyway, he is going to be uh, adapting another Stephen King project, Skeleton Crew. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to be directing The Monkey. Yes, which is a short in that. Have you read this? I again have no idea what it's about because I don't read. I don't know how to read. So I have a weird relationship with Skeleton Crew that not a lot of Stephen King fans probably do. And the fact that I had to read this short story, like some of these short stories for a class in high school. And it didn't matter if I was super into it. The minute a class was making me read, I lost interest. (laughs) It was just a weird thing in my brain. And uh, so I remember reading it. I remember just kind of reading it begrudgingly, like this is something that I could have discovered on my own in later years and just like happened upon and you're taking that experience from me and I haven't gone back to it. But the monkey toy with the symbols is terrifying in general and, you know, it's a King story, so he obviously makes good use of it. (laughs) And I feel like Oz Perkins works in... Like, he has, like, an antique style, right? Like, his movies feel kind of timeless and older. Mm -hmm. And so, I I don't know. Something something like this, I think, is going to be cool. Because, you know, he's not going to make it just like a jump scare a minute movie because that's not his style. No. I'm I'm pumped to see what, like, 
I think it's a weird uh, combo of story and director, but I'm, I'm interested to see what comes of it. Yeah, I'm glad to see other directors stepping into the world of King. Obviously, yeah. we said, like Mike Flanagan, Flanagan can do everything King, but let's see what other people can do. Like uh, Rob Savage is doing The, the Boogeyman. Boogeyman. Which, man, uh, that looks intense. Coming out in like... I don't know, a week or two? A couple weeks, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm excited for Osgood to to take on King. I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I haven't seen Black Coat's Daughter yet. Um, oh, dude, I love that movie. I have seen his Hansel and Gretel adaptation. I didn't love it. I thought it was really boring. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that being said, I thought the style of it yeah. was, was incredible, and I would love to see what he does next. And uh, yeah, a King ad- adaptation is really cool and really excited. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. What do we have next? Oh, Uh, we're talking about this again, Sam. Oh yeah. This movie that I'm not going to believe still. I like, I I still don't believe it exists. It's not happening. I don't believe it. It's an AI that is leaking all these images from sets. Yeah. I genuinely like, I'm not going to believe this movie exists until I am sitting in a theater (laughs) and I am watching the end credit reel. Like that's how not, like I'm just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah. get my hopes up. I am gonna go into Beetlejuice two on opening night, and I am still not going to believe it is a real movie. <laughs> is this a big elaborate like gotcha from Tim Burton? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Justin Thoreau, William Defoe, and Monica Bellucci are added to the cast. And Winona and- Ryder has been seen on set. And yes. will be returning as Lydia Dietz, which is exciting. Which yeah. is exciting. That makes but I'm me not more excited. Myself to get excited. I saw the set photo. I don't know if you did. Okay, Maybe you more, know what? It made there me more times. excited. Uh, Willem Dafoe being added to the cast also makes me more excited because everything's better with Dafoe. Yes, I've been hearing. Um, uh, Monica Bellucci, uh, Bellucci, Bellucci, Bellucci. Yes, either Isn't one. She Beetlejuice's like wife. Yes. So okay, that's at least they're be interesting. Yeah, they're at least adding some interesting elements to the lore of Beetlejuice. Yes. But again, I like you will not believe this until I buy a ticket for Beetlejuice two and see the title card come up and hear the Danny Elfman score. Uh, is, is Elfman returning? Yes. Have they confirmed? Oh, good. Oh, he okay. he's confirmed it. Yes. Okay. I was like, God, if 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 Elfman doesn't return, you might as well just like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. fuck off. You know, yeah. like. <laughs> no, he he he's confirmed, and he he sounded pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. God dang it! No, we gotta stop covering <laughs> this because here's the thing: I'm gonna get all excited, and then like. It's going to be a Bud Light commercial or something. It's going to be like the Big Lebowski when Jeff Bridges was all like posting in his in his wig and like the dude and all that. And I was like, oh, my God, he's finally going to be the dude again. We're getting another Big Lebowski movie. And that was just like freaking Super Bowl ahead. Oh, I can't do that again. It'll kill me. I, I have a feeling it's a it's an actual movie, but I'm, I'm still tempted. The Tim Burton of it is the, why I'm tentative. And I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't want them to make it without him. But couldn't he just produce it? <laughs> but if it was someone else, I would probably be excited. It's a weird thing. I hope he knocks it out of the park because I, I do too. He's the only guy I want to make this movie. But I'm scared that he's making this movie. 
Yeah. Here's what I... Do you want to know what I kind of hope? I kind of hope the studio almost gives him, like, no money. And he doesn't get a CG, like, visual effects team. I and he just they, has to do the whole thing practically. I hope they tell him they're like, yeah, you, you're not allowed on to a green screen room. Yeah. Like, you can't use a green screen. Sorry, off limits. Yeah, like, I really want one of the producers to just tell him that. Like, seriously, just no, no CG, nothing. Like, we're not even going to shoot this in freaking 3D or whatever. Like, I saw, I saw some more set photos. Uh, it, set photos, so that's good. They're actually on that a set. Good. So I think we're at least getting some of that in this movie. I'm good. Again, we'll we'll probably not talk about this again until like the trailer comes out. Yeah, probably. Unless something like big happens, like yeah. real like... Beetlejuice invades the set. Yeah. <laughs> Causes mayhem. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis joins the cast of Beetlejuice as his father. <laughs> yeah, I would be talking about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that if that happens. <laughs> Another movie we've already talked about, Sam. Yes. This universal horror movie from Radio Silence adds some more people, makes me more <laughs> excited. Catherine Newton and Dan frickin' Stevens join the cast of this rumored Dracula's Daughter remake with Radio Silence. Yep. That's awesome. I like there's more your, of them your, than anything, but especially There's both your. of your love interests. Yeah. And we also... Okay. And not with each not with each other, with uh what's her name from with Dracula Six. and his daughter. I mean he could I mean Dan Stevens could play Dracula, but actually I Dan Stevens could play Dracula. Yeah. I was gonna make a daddy uh, joke and then I didn't. <laughs> awkward silence, but yeah, uh <laughs> I think we're both excited for this movie. I think we're both oh, yeah. just waiting for it to be confirmed what it is. Yeah, but obviously, I mean, Catherine Newton is an up and coming major actress. Uh, she was love Catherine Newton, star of Freaky, one of Sam's favorites. Yeah. Uh, a movie that Blockers, I watched. Blockers, another one of my favorites. I liked Blockers a lot. Uh, she's also <laughs> in, you know, that Ant Man Quantum Mania movie. What? So what's I don't that? Know. <laughs> a, a Marvel movie. It, it came out, and no one's talking about it anymore. Oh, okay. Dan Stevens, though, uh, star of the guest. Obviously, a major actor that continues to be on the rise. It's kind of weird to say he's on yeah. the rise because the guest came out like a decade ago. But I know, and it feels like that should have just pumped him into superstardom right away because, like, what was that performance? That was insane. Mm-hmm. He was he was just like the chubby guy from Downton Abbey, and then he did this to himself, viewers. If you're not watching this on YouTube, I'm gr- I graced y'all with a shirtless picture of Dan Stevens from the guest. Yes, check us out on YouTube so you can see shirtless Dan Stevens. I mean, the man worked hard for that shot. I wasn't going to not appreciate it. I mean, he was in Beauty and the Beast, the Disney live action movie. Oh, yeah, but he was covered in bad CG the whole time. <laughs> so I don't know if that helped or hurt him. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He has a great role in Cabinet of Curiosities if you haven't watched it. Oh, I still haven't watched that one. I, uh, I, I'm I really excited to see him in uh, in the new Godzilla vs. Kong, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad Wingard is uh, bringing him into the It's a human stuff. character. I'm actually going to be like, okay, I'm excited to watch you on the screen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm stoked. All right, what's our last piece of news? 
Our last piece of news is the Soska sisters are directing a movie called Festival of the Dead. It is a sequel to Romero's Night of the Living Dead. What do you yes. think of this, Casey? I'm excited for it. I think if we only ever got like Romero's three movies and the Zack Snyder remake, mm-hmm. I would be less excited. But we've gotten a million other of the dead movies. Of the deads. Yeah. Including some more from Romero. I think he did he did two more after his original yeah. trilogy, right? One that was like one was called Diary of the Dead. Yep. I remember watching that one, and it wasn't my the, favorite. Is Land of the Dead the other one? Land of the Dead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. But I think so. there's been a couple, like, in sort of in canon. I guess re- even Return of the Living Dead is sort of in canon, references yeah. it. Uh, there, there's a million of the Living Dead movies. And, yeah, I'm excited for this. I like the Soska sisters. I think they're fun genre directors. I think this is going to be a fun... It's not going to... Again, we go from talking about Godzilla versus Kong in the last piece of news and a Universal Mm -hmm. Monster movie. This is not going to be that. This is going to be very low budget. It's going to probably go directly to VOD or to a streaming service. Oh, yeah. It's probably not going to get a theatrical run. If it does, awesome. Good good, good on them. But, you know, it's going to be a smaller scale movie. And, yeah, I'm excited to see the... The Soska sisters team up and and take on the uh, the legend, the lore uh, that Romero set up. Yeah, same, same. This will be fun. I'm mm-hmm. always up for a good zombie movie. So, yeah. have you seen any of the Soska sister movies? I don't believe so because they did the did they do the remake of Rabbit, right? Yep. Which that's been on my watch list. Didn't they do See No Evil Two? They did See No Evil Two, okay, which I so like I've, a lot. I think I've seen that one. Because I'm a weirdo who actually doesn't mind the first one. There's a lot of nostalgia there for me. First one's awful. Ugh. It is. I haven't watched it since. Okay, so I haven't watched it since I was like. Even as a kid who grew up grade. watching WWE and seeing that trailer all the time and seeing Kane on TV, hearing yeah. the date that the movie was going to be released, May 19. And that date forever is like Kane Day in my head. Shout out to everyone who celebrates Kane Day on May 19 every year. I do not like that movie. It's not a good movie. See No Evil 2, though. Okay. I do. I'd like, okay, so I I don't know. I think I've seen both of them. I am not entirely sure. I know I've seen one. I know I've seen one. Okay. And I liked one, but I was also, like, probably 14 when I watched it. And I liked everything. So, yeah. I don't know. Or maybe right. I just have bad taste. Uh, I mean, <laughs> was Danielle Harris in it? No, I don't believe okay, so. Okay, then it's probably the first one. Okay. Because she's in the second one. Oh, well, I don't think I've seen it then. Okay. And I'm very excited to watch it now. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the where the first one said. It's like a like a high-rise building, I th- like an apartment yeah. building. Yeah, something like that. Because the second one's set in a mortuary. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, well, we'll talk, maybe maybe we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do, do a, a Sosia sisters thing. Maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. have to do that. That'd be fun. All right. Well, that's it for news. Let's move on to Casey's toy box. My toy box. I'm going to open it up, and we only have one thing in the toy box today, Sam. Open your toy box and see what's inside. 
All we have inside is a <laughs> NECA Ultimate The Nun Valak action figure. This is going to be coming out. Uh, kind of completes the line of Conjuring Universe figures that NECA has been putting out. Surprise! Yeah. It, it took this long to get a, a Valak, but we've gotten we've gotten Annabelle, we've gotten the Crooked Man, and now we're getting Valak. Yeah, and it looks sweet. It does. It looks great. Uh, Kayla owns the Crooked Man. I think oh, I will probably yeah, just end up getting that. Annabelle and Valak for her because Conjuring, the Conjuring universe is kind of her series. Yeah. Yeah, nuns are always creepy. I don't want to own this. Nuns terrify me. <laughs> I saw nuns I like outside. I saw nuns outside the other day, and I'm like, no, that's creepy. Oh my god, I saw a nun the other day too. It is it is creepy to see them it in is. public. I don't know I, why. I blame Nightmare on Elm Street three for doing that. Oh, I ever since well, watching I, that, it, 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 I don't know. Nuns terrify me. Yeah. I think I'm just inherently scared of nuns, but that's probably for personal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> this nun did not help either, Phallic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty terrifying. I, I love Bonnie Aarons in that role. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Aside from Whoopi Goldberg, she has to be the most famous nun. Yeah. Oh, easily. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third most famous nun is the one that kept whacking the Blues Brothers with that ruler. Yep. The penguin. <laughs> Sister Act, Blues Brothers, and Conjuring 2. We, yeah. we referenced all of them in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for Doobie doing that. I mean, that's, I mean, the Valak has, uh, you know, been announced previously, but we get some first look images at, at that and should be coming out pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, looks good. I'm, I'm excited. I don't know if it'll be on my shelf, but I'm excited to see it when you buy yeah. it for Kayla. Yeah, that's where it'll end up. <laughs> yeah. So, Casey, it's that time now where I get to ask my favorite question. What have you been doobie-doing, friend? I have been doobie-doing a lot of things. I've been watching a lot of things, actually. I have some uh, some new watches, some some re-watches. Um, I think the first thing I'll start off with, I'll just go down my list that I have. Yeah. The first one I have, it's, it's a new release. It's Bury the Bride, which just came out on Tubi not that long ago. Mm-hmm. It is directed by Spider One, the lead singer of Power Man Five Thousand, oh, brother brother of Rob Zombie as well. So this is his, I believe it's his second film. His first film uh, was released on Shutter. I'm I'm blanking on the name of it. It was like a, I think it was an anthology type of film. Okay, okay, okay. But Barry so- the Bride just came out. Uh, directly to Tubi, stars Scout Taylor Compton as the lead. She plays the the bride who is having a bachelorette party at this gross-ass cabin in the middle of nowhere. And her sister, played by a co-writer, Chrissy Fox, throws this big party for her and the husband-to-be and his redneck friend show up. And there's already something right away off about them, not because they're redneck, but they're assholes. Gotcha. And as soon as they show up, it's like, yeah, these guys are bad news. We know something's up with them. And I'm not going to spoil what it is, but they're obviously not who you think they are. Mm. And as far as the movie goes, it's not great. 
from what I looked up, it was shot in seven days, I think. Which is quite impressive for a low-budget movie to shoot that, to that, that quickly. Obviously, the reason you would watch this is because, you know, Scout Taylor Compton's in it. She's teaming up with, you know, Rob Zombie's brother, who she previously she previously worked with Rob on the Halloween movie. So that's kind of cool. I yeah. will say it's not a great movie. There's some some janky film work in it. There's some janky storytelling, too, because, like I said, you see the 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 husband to be show up and you're immediately like yeah he's the bad guy <laughs> meanwhile the movie like tries to build on like suspense that he's not <laughs> it just kind of takes you takes you out of, of the movie a little bit but okay. there is some great gore effects in it i think that's that's worth watching scout is pretty good in it i don't think her character is very very well written but she is really good in the movie um yeah, I would say it's worth a watch if you've seen the trailer or heard of it and you're at least interested. If not, I would say probably pass, but be on the lookout for Spider and Chrissy doing more stuff together. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I've added this. You said it's Tubi, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I added this into my watch list. Mm-hmm. You might have said something in the group chat. And I, yeah. 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 Uh, next up, I watched for the first time ever. I can't believe this is a first time watch for you, man. I'm so excited for you. I'm, I'm kind of like you with, with John Carpenter, where I'm like, I know there's not going to be any more, so let's savor the ones I haven't seen. Yep, yep. And the one I haven't seen, and somehow, this should have been like the first Carpenter I was about to say, Halloween. It, it just shocked me that that was, uh, that was what you, that was the one you hadn't watched. I watched They Live for the first time ever, starring the great Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, I loved this movie. Yeah. Like, I knew going in I was going to love it. And it's not what I expected fully for, like, where the plot goes and stuff. But I was pleasantly surprised because I'm like, I'm loving this. There's the iconic fight scene mm-hmm. between uh, Piper and uh, Keith David, Keith David, like halfway through the movie, and I was just grinning the entire time. I'm like, they're pulling out suplexes, and <laughs> looks like they're actually beating the shit out of each other. It's awesome. Yeah. I loved it. I loved the plot of the movie. I loved the 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 film work that Carpenter puts into this with the the transitions between having the glasses on and off. I mean, obviously, he's not hiding what the movie's about, and I kind of love that. Carpenter mm-hmm. never really does that. He, you know exactly what he's trying to say in his movies. Oh yeah, subtleties for the dogs with Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. Incredible score. I loved this movie. I can't wait to rewatch it. Oh, Piper, dude. Piper rules in this movie. He's so good in it. He is like, it, he's legitimately good. I was, I was thinking like watching the movie, like what if Hulk Hogan was in this role, and who would have tanked it because Hogan's a bad actor. Yeah, he wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't and have Pi- done it well. Piper's incredible, and he should have been yeah. in more things. Yeah. I, so after this, I really wanted to watch, like, immediately Hell Comes to Frogtown. Yes, he's great but in that, that's, too. That's the only other movie he's been in. And I I don't know. So I've been holding off on Hell, or Hell Comes to Frogtown because he, I'm really he, excited he, for that. He plays the maniac in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, so you at least yes. have that, too. Yeah. Oh, God. I love him in that, too. He's, <laughs> he's so really, funny. He's so funny in that. Yeah. Yeah, I was... I don't know what it was. Why Piper never pursued acting any further than this. Yeah. 
I think I, I want to say I even heard like I feel like there was a quote from John Carpenter saying like one of the best actors he's ever worked with was Roddy Piper. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, John Carpenter doesn't like anybody. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I could, I, I just want to be in a room with Carpenter and Piper, like yeah. just to hear that conversation. What is that like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll skip a couple cause we, we, we have, well, I think just one crossover. We can save it for years. Yeah. Okay. Um, I watched this movie called Girl in the Shed, which is a Lifetime channel movie. And Lifetime <laughs> has been doing these, like, based on true crime movies. They have a couple. Okay. I think there's, like, three of them. And they had a sale on Vudu. Kayla had wanted to watch these, so I bought all three for, like, ten bucks. <laughs> three Lifetime channel movies. Uh, this one stars Ben Savage as no the... Way. <laughs> As the guy who kidnaps this girl and locks her away in the shed behind his behind his oh, house. Can you imagine being a poor woman and being kidnapped by Ben Savage? <laughs> by Corey Matthews. Ew. The entire time I was waiting for Mr. Feeney to knock on his door and be like, Mr. Matthews, I think we have to have a talk. <laughs> this isn't good. Um... But by Lifetime Channel standards, like it feels like Lifetime puts some money into their movies, which I've noticed in the very few that I've watched between like, I mean, all they do is Christmas movies and like shows or movies that your mom would watch. But they at least put some money into their stuff. And this one, it looks pretty good. Ben Savage is poorly miscast in this movie. He is awful, but he is so entertaining to watch. He is delivering a so bad it's good performance in it. And the entire time it's like, I know I'm watching Corey Matthews trying to play this. Trying to be a badass. This this badass bad guy. And he's not pulling it off at all. Also, this is, again, Lifetime channel. There's some stuff in the real life story that they don't touch on. And just kind of breeze all the way over. Yep. It's not really implied, but it's sort of implied. And at the end, it has, like, why he went to jail. Spoilers. And it says, like, the R word. And I'm like, yeah, you Oof. don't you don't touch on that at all. One, yeah. I don't know if you probably can't on Lifetime Channel. No. And it's also just sort of implied. I don't know. I don't know if I would want them to include something like that, but maybe imply it a little more if you're going to say that at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, that seems weird. To, like, I don't know. Like, it seems weird that they could say that, yeah. but they can't show that. Like, it's like, okay, if you can say it, then you should, and not that you want to see it, but you no, know what no, I no, mean? No. Like, there's just like the, yeah, there's- You can imply it. Yeah, exactly. You could yeah. imply it and have it be like a powerful part of your movie instead yeah. of kind of like a really, I don't know. To me, that just seems in poor taste to like yeah. skirt around that and then just be like, bam, like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's yeah. weird. Yeah, not a great movie. I mean, if you're hovering, I think they're all on Hulu, too. So if you're hovering on it and you're like, I want to watch Ben Savage deliver a terrible performance in a Lifetime Channel true crime movie, uh, Girl in the Shed, that's the movie for you. I'm not going to watch this, but I am <laughs> going to watch the trailer. <laughs> watch, watch the trailer and just watch a scene with him. It's hilarious. <laughs> I have uh, quite a few rewatches, and I'll kind of run through them really quickly. I rewatched The Ring. Mm. I don't love this movie. The American one, right? Yes, the American one. I don't love this movie. I do like Ringu a lot. 
I don't love the ring. I think the ring would work better, and this might be blasphemy as a horror fan, as a short film. I think the mystery of it all is not intriguing. And the thing you remember the ring for is the call and then her climbing out of the TV. Which right? happens at like the very end. Yeah. Which is the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the phone call is like the beginning. Yeah. I think it works better as a... Okay, I haven't watched this one in a few years, but every time I've rewatched I like it, it's I like really it. held up for me. So I don't know. I might have to rewatch this one again. I also don't love the early 2000s, um, like the green yeah. color filter, the grayed out color filter. It takes all the color out of movie. Saw has this problem too. <laughs> the ring, there's a couple scenes where I notice it a lot where it just takes all the color out of like someone's clothes. And it's like, I'd rather have you have all that in and make it something visually pleasing to look at yeah yeah that's just an issue in that era of yeah. horror in general where they just desaturated the shit out of everything and i don't understand why like yeah. it doesn't it, it it's if it's a stylistic choice it's a bad one mm-hmm. you know and that's that's one thing like rewatching the texas chainsaw massacre remake from 2003 i still stand by like it's a good remake I think my opinion of it has gone down, though, um, in recent years. And it's because, like, God, it's so... Kind of takes the soul out of the movie a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's just so dry that it's like, okay, I, I just, I don't know. I think it is because of the J-horror that was coming out in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it had yeah. that same aesthetic, but it wasn't like a filter over the movies. It was more of like a color choice in yeah. the costumes, the the production design of the movie. Whereas in these U S remakes, they kind of just put a filter over it. Well, and it looks weird when you have a character that's in like a burgundy like shirt or something like that. And then you've got this like blue gray filter over it. Um, It it just makes it look off. There's a scene where Naomi Watts has a very bright shirt on it. It just takes all the color out of it. I'm like, yeah, at least put her in a shirt that's going to match the, the color filter that you're going to put over the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying the ring is a bad movie at all. I just no, no. don't love it. Yeah. Okay. I watched Frankenhooker, rewatched Frankenhooker because I've, yeah. I've seen it before. I, I love this movie. I love Frank Henenlotter. Um, We were looking for like a fun horror movie that Kayla had never seen. She loves Basket Case. And so I was like, this is this is back basket case meets reanimator. And yeah. yeah, she had a blast with it. She loved it. I I obviously loved it upon rewatch. It's such a fun movie. The the main guy in this movie isn't great, but I love the manic energy that he puts into the role. Yeah. Like he's very much trying to pull off this Jeffrey Combs type character. Yes. Like Jeffrey Combs kind of perfected in his his career. Yeah, but he and doesn't quite quite reach it. He's like if you ordered Herbert West off of Wish. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's not a knock on him or the movie, because I feel like that's the type of performance that actually serves this movie well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like because because there's a little something like missing there. He's a little off putting, and I don't think you're ever really supposed to be on his side. He's a dick from the mo- like from the first minute of this movie, you know. I th- 
Mm, I think you are. Oh, I don't. I think he's painted in a very negative light. I think it's not necessarily that you're on his side. It's that you want him to succeed. Well, yes. Because what happens to his girlfriend is terrible and arguably his fault. But he goes about it the wrong way. Yeah. He goes about oh, yeah. it for I his mean, own it's selfish Frank, It's the purposes. Frankenstein story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when, and so that like taints it. So like by the time he's, you know, spoilers for a movie from 1990, by the time he's blowing up hookers, you're like, God, this is not a good guy. You know, like, I mean, you're kind of thinking that before that, because he's literally like, just like planning on taking women's body parts. But like, you know what I mean? Like he just goes off the rails so quickly that it's like, he becomes the villain of the movie in the second act to me. Um, yeah, this is a movie that I love very much, but I really want to remake it because I have ideas. My favorite, I have so my, many ideas. <laughs> my favorite performance, though, is I can't remember his name, but he's the pimp. Yeah, he's got a great death scene, too. He is so <laughs> awful, and I'm convinced he's an actual pimp. Yeah. He is not. A, he can't be an actor, right? That he is 100% to be a, real. a guy that Frank Henenlotter found in New York and was like, do you want to be in my movie? Yes. Whether he was a pimp or not, he's definitely not an actor. I need some ladies to be extras in this movie. You can be in it too. Mm-hmm. And I will pay you. Yeah, actually, you're probably right. Because there's definitely That's just some, my theory. Like, there's definitely some real nightlife. Yeah, being filmed in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. Okay, we have to stop talking about this because we need to do like a whole Frank and Hooker episode. Oh, we're gonna. Do, we'll do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of gross, uh, gross New England-based New York, New York, New England, East Coast based is what I'm trying to get to. Terrifier. You watch Terrifier. <laughs> um, it didn't hold up as much as it had. I've seen this movie probably three or four times and I hadn't rewatched it since terrifier two. And the, the thing that takes me out of it is that the main character that you're following is gone halfway through the movie and not in a good way, like psycho mm-hmm. where it's just aimless. The second half of the movie. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that it, that really takes me out of it. This movie is basically two acts with the first act being 10 minutes long. And that's that's a problem that is thankfully fixed in Terrifier 2. More time, more character, more effort has been put into the Which story is a of Terrifier 2. movie, judging by the runtime. <laughs> hey, it's better than two. <laughs> Still, that, that kill in this movie, the upside down kill, is. is I, 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 I don't know how he did it. It, it looks incredible. It's amazing. I've heard some of the stories behind it that the actress trying, trying to think of what the actress's name is, but anyway, she's in a couple other horror movies. Um, yeah, she was actually hanging upside down while filming that for like minutes on end. Oof. Yeah. Jesus. Yikes. Anyway, terrifier. We'll talk about that one on, on another episode at some point too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I, I, I rewatched American Psycho. I was just looking mm-hmm. for something I had seen. And yeah, this movie's perfect. Five stars. One of my all-time favorite movies ever. Fun movie. Fun yeah, movie. I love that movie. I can quote the movie. I used to watch it like all the time. I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. Um, yeah, it all holds up. Christian Bale is so ridiculously so good. good in that movie. It's so well directed, so well cast, so well written. And if you hate Jared Leto, it makes a great double feature with mm-hmm. Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> we all wanted to be in, be the axe in that scene. Yes. <laughs> Uh, last up, before we get into your doobie doings, I watched Subspecies 2, as I'm trying to watch those before the new Subspecies 5 comes out. Sam, if you're going to get into Full Moon, yeah, I know. I'm going to say list. Subspecies <laughs> should be pretty high on your list. Yeah. The first one I liked, didn't love. This one I loved. Okay. This one is... It has so much, I don't want to say like real film filmmaking, because that's like a diss on Full Moon, and I love Full Moon. But this one feels like this could have been a theatrical movie. This mm-hmm. has a pretty deep and layered story behind it. The sets and cinematography are incredible, taking nods from Nosferatu. There's a lot of shadow work in this movie that just looks incredible. Yes, this should be high on your list. It is possibly my favorite Full Moon movie. Hell yeah, that's cool, man. It's right up, right up towards the top. This and like Puppet Master Three, I think, are like neck and neck for the best. That's awesome. I will definitely check out the subspecies yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. The last one I have, and we can we can use this into a, a segue into what you're do be doing, Sam. I rewatched yeah. the Babadook on Joe Bob on the last drive-in. Yep, yep. I it's. I think it's one of the greatest horror movies of all time. I think this movie's perfect. There's nothing I would change about it. The kid is annoying. Yes, that's the point. Um, I did want to, like, if I was that mama, I would, you know that scene in, in Wet Hot American Summer where they have the van and they open the door and toss the kid out? <laughs> yeah. That's this kid. I would do that to this kid. He's awful, but that's the point. This movie's perfect. I love it. The Babadook is terrifying. Jennifer Kent is a fantastic horror director. I want to see you do more. Oh yeah. I I like this movie more than I love it. Um, I don't know. Parts of it just move kind of slow for me. I I definitely liked this a lot more when it first came out. Um, watching it with Joe Bob was a lot of fun. I like, I don't know. I think part of it was like, I was hoping for something like what Joe Bob played this past weekend the mutilator (laughs) and the Babadook is not that Um, the Babadook is definitely a, you kind of have to be vibing with it. And I will admit that like it it to start, like I kind of had the volume down. I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to kind of doodle and I'll turn it up when Joe Bob comes on. And the movie kind of sucked me in. Like I was like, Oh crap. Like I, I, parts started showing up that I remembered because I haven't watched this since like 2014 and I, I'd turn it up and pretty soon I was just like engaged with the movie until the end. Um, so it was the first time I'd watched the whole thing since 2014 and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know if I call it like one of the best horror movies ever, but I totally get why people love it and why it has the reputation that it does. I just think if I'm going to go for a movie from 2014, that is like 
oh my god this was a game changer it's it follows that movie i yeah i love it it follows one of my favorite oh. movies ever. i think in 2014 of, was just a great year for horror. yes it was yeah. um i think the babadook had more of an influence on modern horror though i would agree with that i would agree with that i feel like if the, the babadook, babadook came out paved... like came out now I think there'd be a stronger argument for that being nominated for awards, even from 2014 where people were saying it should have been. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I like the Babadook. I just don't love it. Um, it's, but it's very good. I love the, like the storybook, the pop-up book, mm -hmm. um, like any of the Babadook scenes where there's like weird, like there's some stop motion like effects and like, I love all the practical effects on display there. Like that's, that's where this movie wins for me is yeah. like just the creativity behind the design of the monster and how they present him. I love that stuff. So yeah. Joe Bob rules. <laughs> Joe Bob does rule. <laughs> all right. I, uh, yeah. So the Babadook, I watched the final terror on shutter. It is an old slasher where a bunch of like forest rangers are in training. And so they go on this like excursion through the woods and they start getting hack and slashed by like hillbillies, you know? Um, and it was good. Uh, the opening is really fun. Like, <laughs> Sorry, you don't sound too enthused about the final. <laughs> so I, I think I ended up, I think I ended up giving it like two and a half stars because so the thing is, it's a little bit like, um, it's a little bit like what you were talking about with the ring where the opening is great. Like the opening, I was like, I was hooked. I'm like, Oh my God, this movie is tremendous. Like the opening kills so much fun. And then the movie happens and the pacing is so glacial and the characters are just very bland. Like you don't really get to know anything about any of them and they're just kind of there and you kind of get the idea of like what they're doing, but you don't really know. Mm-hmm. And most of the kills end up happening kind of like off screen or like you see aftermath. And so it starts to lose you. And then it's got one of the best final kills I've ever seen in any horror movie. And then just cuts to credits like right. right after the kill. Like it, it, it wastes no time. It's like, this is the best we have. We're sending you on your way. And it's an awesome kill. But I just wish the journey getting there was more fun. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Might be worth a watch. Some people might like it a lot more um, than I do. I know that this movie has a pretty strong cult following. I just didn't... It wasn't in particular like my cup of tea. Okay. Just a little too... I don't know. A little too slow for me. But um, <laughs> I watched The Monster Club. I watched the Joe Bob presentation of The Monster Club. I just threw on like an old back episode. Uh, this is an anthology movie with Vincent Price. Um, and, uh, oh gosh, who else? There are a couple, like, big legends. Donald Pleasance is in one of the stories. Vincent Price is, like, a vampire in the wraparound story who meets a, a real-life human writer played by, I want to say, John Carradine. And he's playing... Yeah, John Carradine plays R. Chetwin Hayes, who is the writer of all the stories that these anthology segments are based on. And uh, there's just like a whole slew of uh, guest, like horror royalty that shows up and things like that. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, a lot of people's least favorite segment in this, the goofiest one, uh, Vampire Story that's in Smack Dab Middle, the one with Donald Pleasance as a vampire hunter. It's very fun. I loved it. It was my favorite, but I also like really goofy horror, so that might be why. Um, tonally, it is a little all over the place, but Joe Bob kind of leans into that, and that's part of why he likes it. Because um, it does. It goes from like kind of hokey, goofy, 60s era type of horror, but it mixes it with like some kind of 80s aesthetics. Mm. And so it's it's a really interesting watch. It's not going to be for everybody. Um, I just, I kind of found it fascinating and a lot of fun and just goofy. So yeah, that's the Monster Club. I definitely recommend Joe Bob's presentation of it, but it's also just on Shutter if you want to watch it. Um, another thing I watched actually live with Joe Bob, uh, this Friday, this past Friday, I finally watched the mutilator. Yeah. This movie rules. Oh Fall break. God, it's so good. I, this has been on my watch list for a long time. And I know this is one that like a lot of people guessed for the last drive and they just have never played it. And, uh, they finally played it. And part of me was kind of hoping that like they would just play it because I'm like, this feels like a Joe Bob movie. And so when I saw that they were playing the mutilator, I got pretty freaking pumped. Um, and it, it like totally is mm -hmm. up to the hype. I, I love this movie. This is like, this is definitely one of my favorite 80 slashers. The, uh, the, the vagina hook kill is intense. Holy crap. Like, Hmm. Um, and I loved Darcy cosplayed that moment. Okay. So uh, it was pretty awesome. Like she showed up, she, all of a sudden she shows up, she's in the gray sweater with the shirt underneath and she's got a hook going up through her jeans and coming out her stomach. And I'm like, holy shit. That's like one of my favorite Darcy cosplays. So fun. Um, yeah. Mutilator rules. Some of the best gore effects I've ever seen. I love it. And it has one of the best opening title songs. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> It's so funny. It's like, it's like an outtake from the Full House recordings. Yeah, it's bad. It's so great. It's so it's bad, so but great. it's so good. I, like, yeah. It, and it, it just, it wasn't the song I was expecting. And from that moment, I was like, I'm gonna love this movie, aren't I? Like, I'm gonna love this movie because it's just, oh god, it's awesome. Uh, I watched the 2016 crowdfunded uh, Halloween slasher, The Barn. Have you seen this? Mm -mm. Okay, so I've seen the, the cover. Barn, like, yeah, on like every streaming service. Yeah, uh, it's it's all over the place. So a few uh, a few months back, I found a whole bunch of rare horror Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff that I at last stop, and this was one of them. I like I wasn't expecting to find this on Blu-ray at last stop, and I pulled it off the shelf. And it was signed by the entire cast of the movie. And I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. And Ari Lehman is in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hell yeah, first Jason Voorhees picking this up is literally like 10 bucks. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Come to find out, it was our buddy Corey Jacobson's from Somewhat Random Movie Collection. <laughs> shout out Corey. So shout out to Corey. Thanks, man. Um, I loved this movie. It was so much fun. It's very schlocky low budget. It's got a very retro throwback style, some really fun gore effects. 
um, and the designs of the three, uh, the three like monsters, the three demons. Oh, it's so much fun. And the second part is uh, coming to Screenbox, I think. God, I actually think it's this week. And I could not be more excited. I'm, I'm pretty pumped for it. So I'll definitely be watching it. And uh, yeah, thanks for the Blu-ray, Corey. Appreciate it, man. Um, I've also been watching TV. I've been, so I found out that there is a whole fourth season of what we do in the shadows that I somehow missed, um, because I just saw the announcement that there is a season five of what we do in the shadows coming out this summer. And I was like, when did season four come out? So I've been going back and rewatching the first three seasons on Hulu and I'm finally caught up to season. Well, I'm starting season four and oh my God, this show rules. Uh, it's, it's like. I, I say this, and I'm going to say this about the next TV show I talk about, which everybody knows at this point, if you've been listening weekly, what it is. But uh, yeah, What We Do in the Shadows is one of the best horror series of all time. Um, it's so friggin' funny. All the leads, like line deliveries are perfect and unexpected, and only they could do it. Like it, this cast has such a chemistry that I just, I don't know, you take one out and replace them and it just, I think the show would fall apart. I, I love it. I hope they keep making it for, you know, decades. I hope it goes as long as it's always sunny. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. If you're not watching it, I highly recommend checking it out. Um, and then, of course, I've continued to watch Yellow Jackets. And this Friday, the same Friday that this episode drops, as you're listening to this, I may very well be watching the season two finale of Yellow Jackets. And if I don't show up on another Screams from the Basement, it's because it's literally killed me. <laughs> the show is insane. Oh, the end of episode, the, the end of the last episode. Like, this is a show that has thrived, especially in this season, on, like, gut punch endings. And I'm not kidding when I tell you, like, I had a pit in my stomach for the rest. Of, like, I should not have watched this on my lunch break. I watched it on my lunch break at work, and, like, the rest of the day, I felt like I was dragging a bowling ball around in my gut. It was awful. It was like, oh, what is the show doing to me and to these poor girls who were just like lost out in the fucking woods and like, ah, oh. and all the adult stuff is hitting the fan now too. I don't know. Like there's, there are going to be some characters that we're saying goodbye to in the finale. I almost guarantee it. And I am not ready, Casey. I am not ready. Yellow Jackets is incredible. Everybody should check it out. This is like the fourth week in a row I've told you this. And you'll get it for one more week before I have to wait for season three. Probably in agony the entire time. <laughs> and that's when I will finally probably watch it. Yes. After everything's out. Oh, and besides watching things, also, yeah. we had a guest on the last episode, Doug Morano. Great guy. Runs Bad Hand Books. I decided to start reading again <laughs> and I bought two bad hand books. One your wife currently has because I let her borrow it because I'm a nice person yes. and it's awesome. And I want everybody to read it. It is called they were here first by Eric LaRocca. It is haunting and devastating and beautiful and grotesque. And unlike anything I've read before, uh, I absolutely loved it and uh, highly recommend picking that up it is not for the faint of heart it is very transgressive it is going to try and like 
rip your heart out through your butthole a couple of different times and succeed multiple but then it ends on like a weirdly like it's still gross but it's like a sweet note too i don't know it's crazy man that book is a ride um and i just got in the mail like yesterday the wind began to howl i'm really excited to pick this up or like dope cover art look at this cover art it's insane yeah, rules yeah so i uh i can't wait to read this i haven't started it yet but it's on my uh it's on my to-do list this week i'm really excited so yeah Sweet. check out bad hand books doug is doing some good work mm -hmm. i know you grabbed some stuff yes what you I got almost, i almost forgot <laughs> uh i do have a book i didn't grab it though uh again we were at last stop kayla picked up a bad bad hand mm. book and borrowed yours um i picked up the final girl support group yes by grady hendrix by grady hendrix i haven't started reading it yet um i've always wanted to it's all going on my my read list as soon as i'm yeah. done reading a book i will reference when we talk about our full moon movies hell yeah um, yeah. But stuff I did pick up, I picked up a couple VHS tapes, though. Uh, I picked up a Godzilla 2-pack, which is Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and mm. Godzilla versus Gigan. Uh, I've seen awesome. Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. I've not seen the other one. Excited to watch it. First Godzilla movies owning on on VHS. Hell yeah. Um, and the other one, it's gonna we're going to tie directly into our main topic. We're getting this full moon fever going right now. <laughs> okay. I picked up my first full moon VHS tape for $1 at Savers. Um, <laughs> it, it is Meridian, Kiss of the Beast, written, directed by Charles Band. Um, yeah. My first full moon movie. As soon Have as you I seen it? I've not seen it. Oh, it fun. is one of the like 200 full moon movies I have not seen yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, the only way I'm going to watch this is on VHS now. Hell yeah, that's but awesome. As soon as I saw it, I pulled it right off the shelf. I think this is the like video store copy. Yeah, it looks like it because it says for distrib uh, distributor pr uh, promotional use only, not for sale, rental, duplication, or public performance nice this is definitely like the video store copy dude so. that's like the exact type of way you're supposed to watch full moon movies yes yeah. like that's their original model mm -hmm. <laughs> that's so cool yeah so i'm excited to watch it i will eventually have a day where i just sit here in the office and watch Hell meridian yeah. and i will talk about it on the show when that happens that's awesome man all right well, now that, that we're is, an hour and seven minutes in, we're, we're longer than most modern full moon movies already. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into it. We are gonna we're gonna jump into our double feature for this episode. It's a full moon episode. First up, we're gonna be talking about 1992's Demonic Toys. Yeah, Sam, I, I told you before the show before we started recording, I write down you know the plots of these movies. <laughs> This one was so much fun to write the plots of Demonic Toys and Head of the Family. Oh, I bet. Both of these plots are almost nonsense, yeah. but are so great. Um, they are. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, some... particularly Head of the Family, dude. Like, oh my God. I can't. Oh. I don't know. I'm Demonic Toys to is pretty Demonic crazy, toys. though, too. It is. It is. I'm excited to talk Demonic Toys. I am so freaking pumped to talk Head of the yeah. Family. <laughs> Well, let's jump into Demonic Toys. All right, here's yeah. the plot of Demonic Toys. 
A fried chicken delivery boy and a badass leather jacket teams with a no-nonsense cop and mother-to-be to fight off a horde of toys who are possessed by the devil inside a toy factory. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's demonic and, toys. And that's almost that's, that's like a ba- that's a bare minimum plot yeah. in this movie. That's like the tip of the iceberg and we're the Titanic. <laughs> I haven't even mentioned like a schizophrenic uh thief who's trying yeah. to sell guns to undercover cops. I didn't mention ghost girls who drive tricycles through the toy warehouse. I didn't mention the the Rosemary's Baby subplot of the movie of the devil trying to be born again into the unborn child of this woman. This is an insane <laughs> movie. You didn't even mention the the spirit of the unborn child helping the, the mom who, defeat. Who's like a 12-year-old boy but speaks in a demonic voice the entire time. I didn't mention the opening of the movie that is this cop and mother-to-be watching two 12-year-old boys play war. <laughs> the card game War. Oh Demonic Toys was, was released March 12th, 1992 uh, directly to, to video as all full moon movies are. It is written by David S. Goyer based on a story by Charles Band directed by Peter uh, Manigan. Like David S. Goyer like, from like Dark Knight. Like the guy who it, wrote Batman like, Begins. David S. Goyer. I think this is his best work. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll talk about the David S. Goyer of it all. He peaked early. He he did. <laughs> what did that schmuck ever do since this? Uh, the, <laughs> the movie stars uh, Tracy Scoggins as Judith Gray and Bentley Mitchum as uh, the chicken, the fried chicken delivery boy, Mark Wayne. I love the I love the delivery boy. He's my favorite character in this whole thing. He's great. Yeah, he's fun. Everyone else I could take or leave, but he's great. <laughs> this movie's bonkers. It is. Um, the first time I watched it, I, I had a phase that I was, I was stored, sort of getting into like full moon movies. And we, were, we watched the first, I think, like three Puppet Masters. And then we watched Demonic Toys and we had seen a couple full moon movies. And this was, I don't know, maybe four or five, well, probably longer than that, five or six years ago. Um, and the first time I watched Demonic Toys, I was like, yeah, this is better than Puppet Master. I like this a lot more. Rewatching it, I, I think they're on par. I think they're about the same. The first two Puppet Masters, for sure. Probably on par with Demonic Toys. I forgot how crazy this movie was, though. Obviously, you remember the toys. You remember Baby Oopsie Daisy. You remember <laughs> the, the, the teddy bear becomes a giant teddy bear at the end of the movie. You yeah. remember the, the robot that shoots, like, lasers. He got that Jack, shopping mall. The Jack in the Box that is literally a, a puppet from Killer Clones from Outer Space repurposed for this movie. Is it really? It is the same mold. It's like the exact same mold. Yeah, I guess I, it is, isn't it? It's the one Dude. that pops out of the, the, the hamper in the, yep. in the bathroom. Yep. I, I love the Jack in the Box because he does not pop out at the right time of the song at all. Well, he's got I to surprise you. I know. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. It got me. <laughs> like it legitimately got me. I was like, 
Oh, it's not at the pop part. And he popped out anyways. I'm like, Jesus. Like, David Esquire. <laughs> so yeah, this movie is written by David Esquire. Let's start right there. It is it is based on a story by Charles Band, who kind of brief history on Full Moon. He's he's the the head honcho behind all of it. He's the one who Charlie would come up with the basic story of the movie, and sometimes not even that. He might only come up with the title of the movie, and then he would commission a poster, and that's okay. how he would sell the movie, and that's how he would pitch it to the the writers to write the movie. So this is one of those times Charlie came up with the the broad strokes of the story, hired a very young David S. Goyer before anything, before Blade even, uh, to to do this movie. And this is kind of one of Goyer's first breaks in Hollywood was working with Charlie on Demonic Toys. And the poster that you see today, the kind of, I think it's an iconic poster. I think that's, that's worthy of saying that's, that's kind of the first thing that sticks out for Demonic Toys and Head of the Family. Oh, yeah. Again, with this video store model that they had of that's how you're going to sell your movie is your poster art and the title. And what what a great poster art and what a great title for this movie. Oh, yeah. Both, both movies boast, like, very cool art design. I like. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it because... When you said Demonic Toys and Head of the Family, I had never heard, like, okay, so I'd heard of Head of the Family, but, like, I didn't know Head of the Family when you said it. And then when I looked it up and I saw the giant head, I was like, oh, yeah, it's that movie. Mm -hmm. Like, and same with Demonic Toys, although we had talked about them a couple episodes ago when we opened your toy box. And, uh, yeah, so I had recently been like, oh, yeah, I know the Demonic Toys. Mm-hmm. But like these are these are these are video store images. They're great. It's how it's how you you sold your movie. Yeah. And like I said at the top of the show, I wanted to pick two full moon movies that in, encapsulate the entire filmography of Full Moon Entertainment. And the, one of the reasons why Demonic Toys does that for me is one poster art, mm-hmm. two toys, inanimate objects coming to life, which is obviously a Charles Band staple puppet master is you know the franchise of full moon which does a very similar concept even before that in his empire picture days he made dolls with Stuart Gordon which is a precursor to puppet master and demonic toys oh god yeah I forgot he did that with Gordon Mm mm-hmm there's a lot there's there's some doll dolls in this the movie dolls um demonic toys so this movie opens with a dream sequence it opens with a dream sequence that we see a couple times with these two kids playing war yeah in like kids bedroom <laughs> like legitimately playing playing war. war and you just see you the only dialogue you hear for like the first minute is war i win war i win yeah it's great Future you writer have no of, idea what's going on. A billion dollar movie, <laughs> David S. Goyer. Yeah, this movie has this like after the dream sequence, we get two cops discussing, you know, their work together in a in a cop car. They're about to go undercover to buy some illegal guns from these two thugs. Yeah. And it's a it's a male and a female cop, and she breaks the news that she's pregnant. 
Well, she tries, but this guy is so stupid. He doesn't even like. I'm like. <laughs> he figures she, it out eventually. Oh my god, she she has to straight up tell him. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, how are you not getting this? <laughs> I just you're watching the scene as an outsider, going like, oh my god, how did this guy pass his cop test? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then they're entrapping these poor criminals. I don't like these two. The cops. Yeah. I mean, the the husband bites the bullet, not the husband, but the, the male cop bites the bullet, like, right away in this yeah, movie. Yeah, like, he quite just, literally. He just gets blasted right he away. He bites it with his stomach. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> One of the other thugs gets mortally wounded, and then this sort of, like, schizophrenic cop? Like, he definitely has some issues, and he says it, like, in his dialogue later in the movie. Yeah, yeah. He's messed up. He's definitely messed up. And we enter this toy store, and in this middle of this shootout between the female cop and the two thugs, we just cut yeah. to a fried to, chicken to a fried restaurant. Chicken place. And, like, the security guard that's somehow missing all of this. Yeah. He's There's, like, a security guide, guard there that, like, has no idea that a police shootout, like, a whole sting operation is happening in his warehouse somewhere. Lazy bastard watching Puppet Master in the background. He's watching Puppet Master, and he's ordering chicken. (laughs) And apparently does this every night. Yeah. I'm like, dude, they must pay you good money to be a security guard. Hey, he has a great scene later on where he tells the fried chicken delivery boy, he's like, you're wasting your time working, you know, a job like that that requires at least a little manual labor. He basically says, I get to sit on my ass, watch TV, and eat fried chicken every night at my job. Like, this yeah. dude's got it figured out. He does. He's got it figured out. We should all just be night security guards. Mm-hmm. At demonic toy factories. <laughs> That's At toy factories that are built on the unknown burial grounds of a... Demon child? Demon. <laughs> yeah. Like the the Antichrist who was born 60 years ago, <laughs> who wasn't going to live, but his spirit lives there. It gets muddy. It gets, it gets muddy. It gets muddy. He he died in childbirth, and so he was in the ground, and he grew up in those his spirit must have grown up in those years, but yeah. it must be like the opposite of dog years, you know, where like for every one year, it's like seven for them. It, it was like for every seven years, it was one year for him. Cause he's only like 12 at this point, mm-hmm. but he's been dead and growing for since 1925 to whenever this is. Are the we, 90s. are we assuming the the demon baby that was born is that same child that he manifests as? Maybe. Or is it just like, or is it just a form? His he does spirit. say it's his favorite form. Like, yeah, and he takes yeah. the form of the cop that gets blasted away in the beginning yeah. too. He's a real dick. He is. Like, I don't I know. Mean, this movie gets very muddled. It, it, it gets so muddled that the reason that the demonic toys become evil demonic toys is because one of the bad guys bleeds out over a certain <laughs> spot in the store. Yeah. It, and the blood like drips through the floor. Cracks. Like massive cracks in the yeah. floor that I'm like, any warehouse would have actually had those like fixed by now. But it doesn't leak into the toys directly. It no. leaks directly into the 
the ground below, I suppose, where the body of the demon baby was buried? Yeah, he was suckling on blood-soaked dirt. Is and then, that right? Yeah, and then possessed the toys. Yeah, and they, he, the blood gave him strength to possess the toys. And so the toys are now extensions of him. Yes. And he doesn't know the jack-in-the-box song very well. Why would you want to be anything but a toy? Mobility. <laughs> he can move just fine. He's in all these different types of toys. Yeah, but I don't know. I think if I was going to choose something to be in, I'd be like... I'd be King Kong. You'd be that in toy form. Yeah, but then I couldn't climb the Empire State Building. <laughs> hey, he's a ro he, he manifests as a robot that shoots lasers. That's true. And then a teddy bear who gets giant. Yeah. So he'd be just fine. And a smart-ass baby. Yeah. And a dead cop. Yeah. But that one's not that one's, cool. That one's not as fun. <laughs> Again, to add David Escoyer, who kind of overwrites demonic toys. Oh, way overwrites. Way overwrites demonic toys. The cop and the the sort of crazier of the two bad guys get locked in this kind of storage area. How? Like, That's it seems like I they would be locked know. in, like, this would be a scene in, in a movie where you're locked in, like, the freezer of a restaurant. Yeah. And you can't you can't open the door from the inside. But Instead, it's just, it's just a... normal a, door. Yeah, it's just a normal <laughs> door. And it's With like the... door handle. Yeah. It's like the storage room. And I don't know any storage room that locks from the... Yeah. Inside. You know what I mean? Like, if you're inside a storage room, you can always get out. Yeah. Because usually the lock is protecting what's ever in the storage room. Yeah. You would think maybe that's where they keep the evil demonic toys. But no, it's think. just a random no. storage area. No, they keep the demonic toys out in the open so that if people bleed that they can come to life. That's just common courtesy. You know? But only like five of them, not the entire yeah. warehouse. No. That'd be too much. That'd be too many demonic toys. He, the, the the evil spirit only has enough power to manifest itself in five different toys. Yeah. So he chose... He picks some pretty teddy. lame toys. He does. He picks some toys from, like, the 50s. Yeah. Like, man, if you went back any further, you'd just be, like, inhabiting a stick or a rock. Damn kids from the 40s. And like, it's 1992. Toys. Why is he not, like, an evil ninja turtle? Yeah. Oh, copyright. Yeah, I know. <laughs> why isn't he a why isn't he a ninja frog? Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about the toys a little bit. So he does yeah, inhabit yeah. um is it what? Is it five? Five toys? Because you so, have ba baby oopsie daisy who is I think my favorite to the movie. Oh, Baby Oopsie is great. I love Baby Oopsie. Uh, you've got Grizzly Teddy. Yep. That's what... A Jack Attack and Mr. Static, which Mr. Static is the robot, the robot. that lasers, lasers, right? Yep. Yeah. That's the only four on the... on the Wikipedia cast list, but... 
I think I that's it. Is the only? I think that's it. I think toys? it's just the four. Well, let's look at the post. Yeah, the poster only has four toys: the Jack in the Box, the Teddy Bear, the Laser Robot, and Baby Oopsie. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. It feels like so many more toys in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? Like, it does. doesn't it feel it does. like there should be more? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, Baby Oopsie is, I think, become a fan favorite. Obviously, Baby Oopsie has also gotten a couple spinoffs as well. I think yeah. three spinoffs. I gotta check to, those out. Baby, Baby Oopsie. Oopsie was my favorite of this whole thing. Um, we'll talk about that. At, I'll I'll talk about it at the end of our discussion of Demonic Voice. I watched the first Baby Oopsie because I had never seen it. Okay. Um, Jack Attack is getting its own spinoff. I don't know how you would do the the the, the robot or the bear. Probably my. I think the bear is my least favorite, or at least the least interesting of the. Well, we've seen killer teddy bears before. And like, I I mean, we've seen a lot of them since this movie. We saw some of them before this movie. Like, I don't know. I think teddy bears are played out, man. Yeah. They're just not scary. Mm -hmm. Although Five Nights at Freddy's, I don't know. Maybe that'll be, maybe that'll be the teddy bear comeback. We're going to get a lot of teddy bear horror after this. And then Charlie can call us up and we can do the killer teddy bear movie for four. Yes. We're doing Grizzly Teddy. And then Char- eventually doing a Grizzly Teddy versus Evil Bond movie. Hit us up, Charlie. We'll make it happen <laughs> for you. Um, yeah, the the uh, the scene that always stuck out to me, and it's not even the scene, but kind of like the set piece in this movie, is the vent system. So that's kind of like... This movie is all one location. It's the warehouse, the toy warehouse. So they try to use the most of it as they can. And they use the vents, John McClane style, to get around the building. Yeah, Those vents are so big. You can fit two people side by side in them. Yeah. It's it's the same thing with with Phantom of the Mall. (laughs) Where, like, Eric is able to have a whole apartment. Yeah, in the vents, in the like vents he's system. got a cot set up and like a whole like workout station. <laughs> it's great, man. Mm-hmm. Horror movie vents, they're huge. They're huge. <laughs> Chopping Mall has huge vents that people yes. can crawl through. Chopping Mall does have huge vents. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm like, where are these places with these huge vents? California. Because, like, yeah, California. And you, wouldn't you be like worried that? Well, maybe California doesn't have gators. I'm there's thinking one, Florida. <laughs> there's one other plot point that, that, that ties into our discussion of the vents. Yes. That is maybe the craziest one of the movie. It throws me off every time I watch it. Is that they're locked in this room and all of a sudden someone bursts through the vents and it's this runaway <laughs> girl who lives in them? She's rooming with Eric. <laughs> Like she's living in them, and there's a, a point of dialogue where they're like, "Well, we we need to get out of here," and she's like, "No, that's blocked off. I've already tried." I'm like, "Where was that? When did that happen? <laughs> Who are you?" I know it's so funny. Like, oh my god, I totally again, they forgot it. that that's how they introduce <laughs> it. Like, she does. She just falls through the ceiling, yeah. And you just like accept it. They just accept in the first like thirty seconds. Like, oh, I live up in the vents, and that way is no good. And they're just like, okay. <laughs> it's like, how did she get in there? They 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 establish that it's pretty hard to get in and out of this building. That there's only one way, and it's through the 
the delivery doors that the chicken fried chicken delivery guy goes through it's these these garage doors that open yeah and that's the only way in and out like did she go through those is there a you know a way to get to the vents from the outside that she crawled through that way what is she eating in there yeah (laughs) leftover fried chicken i don't know (laughs) That, do you see that security guard? There's no leftover fried chicken. Yeah, there's definitely no leftover. <laughs> like yeah. that is a man who orders a bucket of fried chicken with purpose. Yeah, he's gonna eat all that fried chicken. I also love eggs. we get we get like one scene at at the fried chicken establishment, and he's like picking on this dude that sort of looks like you. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> He's picking on 80, 1992 Sam Lenz and his boss, who's just like, What are you doing? Smoking yeah. over the chicken. <laughs> smoking <laughs> over here? You're lucky I don't fire you. It's like, Why don't you? What does this guy do? The guy's like, Maybe I'll drive your car off the bridge. And he's just like, Okay, go deliver those chickens. <laughs> I'm like, Dude, no, that's when you take the keys away from that delivery guy and you say, You're fired. <laughs> It also sounds like in the dialogue of this movie that the security guard orders fried chicken every single night. And he and he likes Wayne. He likes the delivery driver. He likes the delivery like driver. But when he calls into the store, he always he, he's bitching about not getting enough uh like honey for his biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, You guys always skimp on that. Yeah. It's like, why yeah. do you order from there every night then? I thought he was your buddy. Like, why wouldn't he throw in a little extra, little extra honey for you on the side? Yeah. See, that's the thing. That that's the biggest plot hole in this whole movie. If he's really that good of friends with the delivery driver, the delivery driver would have hooked him up. Man, would have hooked him up. He went to Karen. Yep. yep. He smokes over fried chicken. He doesn't give a shit about he that job. Does not give a shit about the job. <laughs> yeah. No, pizza guy is my favorite guy. He's my favorite character in the whole movie, besides Baby Oopsie. I just want to see a movie where it's just Pizza Guy versus Baby Oopsie. Yeah, the fried chicken, like Baby Oopsie and it's the fried fried chicken chicken. establishment. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. I keep saying pizza because I want pizza. What is Baby Oopsie's line again? It has a hilarious line. It's like, I I laugh, I cry, I even shit my pants. And it's such a funny line that it says. I think that's it, right? I think so. I think so. I laugh, I cry, I shit my pants. I think yeah, that's what it I is. I think that's it. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I even shit my pants. It's so funny. And like, he also sounds like... He's oh, like, it's, it, like, here it is. I'm pulling it up on IMDb. I can walk, I can talk, I can even shit my pants. <laughs> David Escort. And I love how Baby Oopsie sounds like they're already like chain smoking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Like that baby definitely is on like at least two packs a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that the, the, the main form of like killing people in this movie is just like people eating, like the dolls eating people's faces. Yeah. It's just like, they just go for it. They just bite yeah. them. They're like, whatever. We're not even going to eat you. We it's just... all of them do that, though, besides the yeah. robot. The robot shoots them to take them down. I guess they have a some form of attack plan set up. Yeah. The robot's going to shoot them to get them down. The robot's the stun gun so that yep. they can eat. <laughs> so, the, so the baby, the bear, and the jack attack can all just eat people's faces. 
Yeah. It's insane. We <laughs> <And> the... <laughs> okay, so I pulled up the quotes too. Yeah. I forgot about baby oopsie daisy driving the dragging the security guard. <laughs> Jeez, you're heavy, you moby fucking dick. <laughs> oh my god. Baby oopsie has the has like the best one-liners. Holy crap. Yeah. Baby oopsie rules. Yeah, his whole sequence with the his whole sequence with the security guard is so funny. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god. I love it. This move okay, so I mean, we've kind of jumped all over place for the plot, but there isn't much plot left for a movie yeah. that's pretty plot heavy. The rest of the plot is again, we set up that there's this like Rosemary's baby story mm-hmm. of these. We don't even get like who they are. Who are these people? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> just... It's just a random like flashback to what happens and why this place is like haunted, possessed by these. <laughs> by a demonic presence. And again, like we said, it's, it's, it's a woman gives birth to a baby. It has mm-hmm. like devil horns. The doctor, <laughs> the doctor is like, yeah, it's not going to survive. And so the mom decides to give it to a bunch of trick or treaters. Yeah. And tells them to bury it. Yeah. And the kids figure out it's a baby and just like throw it into a pit. <laughs> this flashback is insane. Like, <laughs> And I, then they build the, the toy factory above that. Yeah, yeah, because that's where you build a toy factory. Yeah. Above a pit where a baby was thrown. <laughs> like, this whole, whole movie is so, like, I don't want to say insensitive because that's not the word, but, like, holy shit, some of this stuff is important. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's so much, and there's so much in this movie. There's so much plot in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's so complicated that by the end, when you're like, when she's like, oh, it's the soul of my baby fighting the demon that's trying yeah. to take over my baby. <laughs> and I'm like, but you were having these nightmares before you even showed up to the toy yeah. factory, before that guy even bled into the ground, before, like, are you a psychic? Is that what it's implying? I have no idea. Is she no related idea. to the people who were giving birth from the flashback? Yeah. Like, just, you know, why her? Why her? Like, there are, they live, they clearly live in a city. She can't be the only pregnant person there. <laughs> like, no. And she just found out she's pregnant too. She's, yeah. she's not that far along. And at a point, you know, baby oopsie kidnaps her and they tie her up. In in a, yeah. in a pentagram, and they're about to perform this the ceremony. Yep. And the way it's going to happen is she's already pregnant, but the demon is going to have his way with her. Nate, her, yeah. yeah. And it's like, and ew. Take, can like his soul is going to enter the soul of her unborn baby. It's very Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street five. Yeah. But That's that movie does thing. it a lot, a lot better than this. Yeah, I mean, there's but only so much better you can do a plot like this. To so be much, so much so that, like oh. you said, Sam, there's a we see this little toy. It's a toy soldier. Yeah. And oh god, the toy soldier! <laughs> the toy soldier, and just kind of shows up out of nowhere, and tries to like save her and point her in the right direction and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He's like a little guardian angel. Yeah, and we later find out it's her unborn child. (laughs) 
his spirit because he is also a spirit. Because and somehow his soul the demon is living within her already. Yeah, and the demon knows this, but he doesn't because, like, when the toy soldier, when he finally sees the toy soldier, he's like, "What? No!" And it's like, "Oh, he knows who that is." But then, like, yeah, later, because they've it feels been playing, like he doesn't. They've been playing a card game together in her flat, in her in her dreams, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get that, but then, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like later, it feels like it's like a big reveal, and it's like I don't know. It's weird. It's such a fun movie, but it's yeah, so like it's so weird. It's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like the movie ends. the The toy soldier has a giant like sword. That's what the the lady cop uses to to kill the demon boy. Yeah. And. That's, and that's that's the that's movie. It. That's, that's the movie. It, it you know what? Here's the thing. I love a good B movie that just ends abruptly. Yeah. Like they know when to end, you know? They just we killed the bad guy, roll credits. Mm-hmm. Like Chopping Mall, waste no time. She blows up the last kill bot, she sees Ferdy, they hug, pan up, and credits. Like, yeah. <laughs> But that is not it for the end of the demonic toy story, Sam. No. That is not it. Because they made sequels. They made sort of sequels. They've made crossovers. They've made spin-offs. Let me go through these. Okay, so again we talked okay. about David we, we talked about David S. Goyer, his comic book prowess that came after this movie. Yes. Charlie Band is sort of no different. He is very much, you could call him the Stan Lee of bad movies. Because, one, he he is a huge Marvel comic book fan. Definitely took a lot of inspiration from Stan. He even had um, some Marvel artists do artwork on his stuff. Um, But Demonic Toys is kind of one of those big ones that had those crossover comic book influences so right after this movie there was a movie that the first i guess direct sequel to demonic toys and is doll man versus the demonic toys <laughs> which is a crossover with doll man starring tim thomerson great full moon movie and okay. and it's not just those two and the movie bad channels crosses over <laughs> with it as well okay we then get uh, Puppet Master versus the Demonic Toys, which was a sci-fi channel original movie that isn't canon in Full Moon. Because oh, Charlie, because it's sci-fi? Because, yeah, because Charlie basically gave them the rights to make the movie, and this was in a weird time for Full Moon. This is like 2004, I think. Ah, oh, gotcha. Um. They, but Demonic Toys did get a direct sequel, I think, in like 20, 2010, Demonic Toys 2. And then we get, just in the last three years, we've gotten three, yes, three, Baby Oopsie spinoffs. Oh, my God. The first one came out in 2021. I believe it is the first in Full Moon's Cleveland-based productions, which is kind of their home base right now. Sam, you saw okay. that in Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bolarama 2. Oh, yeah. That yep. is a Cleveland-based production. It's the same house in Baby Oopsie as the, <laughs> as the sorority house. Um, I will say, I watched Baby Oopsie, the first one, right after Demonic Toys. Because I had never seen it. 
I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, if you're making three of these and you're making an actual replica of the doll, there must be something of merit. Yes. And there is. I like this more than the original <laughs> demonic toys. I had a lot of fun with it. It's, oh, really? It's a. It's about an hour 15. It is obviously very low budget. Mm-hmm. The baby oopsie doll is not as good in terms of its animatronics and its use of stop motion. It is gotcha. very limited. The mouth does move, which is more than you can say about some other full moon, <laughs> late later full moon movies. Um, <laughs> it has a lot of fun, though. It, it, exa- it knows exactly what it is. It has references to other horror movies. There's a point where Baby Oopsie comes alive and sees this Annabelle-looking doll and basically <laughs> says, like, step aside, bitch. There's a new doll in town. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, this it's it's a ton of fun. I think if you had fun with Baby Oopsie and Demonic Toys, it's worth a watch. Okay, is that one on Tubi as well? Yes, I and like all of them are. Yeah, yeah, they have a they have Full Moon has a channel on whole Tubi. channel. Yeah, but right. also highly recommend to people out there to subscribe to the Full Moon uh, streaming service. Mm-hmm. To- totally worth it. Hell yeah! Shameless plug. <laughs> Cool, but man. I think that's. Oh, and we get the Jack Attack spinoff that we talked about a couple episodes ago. Yeah, that's that right. That's also coming. That's coming still, right? That's yeah. not out already? No. Okay. I was not so right was like... on that prediction, Sam. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, Demonic Toys is fun. Yeah. Would you recommend it? I would recommend it. I would recommend it. I think I gave it like three stars. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at, too. It's good. It's really good. It's fun. Um, not all of it worked for me, but like the stuff that did is, I mean, I had a blast with it. Yeah. It was, it's a ton of fun. I mean, yeah. us like giggling and laughing through the entire plot is yeah. kind of the fun that you'll have watching. Okay. But let's move on. Okay. Because we gotta, we gotta talk about, we gotta talk about like the real winner of this double feature. Yeah, we do. Which is head of the family. Head of the a family. movie that after sitting with it, I might bump up to four stars because I rated it three and a half. And I'm not going to lie, dude, this movie. I, I don't know what I watched, but I loved it. I loved it. Like I, holy shit, this movie ruled. Yeah. I like, it was not what I was expecting at all. Like I didn't know what to expect. I saw like I okay, so I didn't even no. You do your plot thing first. No, 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 no. I'm about to get into that. I want to hear what before you watch this movie, what you thought head of the family was. Seeing the title, and obviously you saw the poster. Mm -hmm. What did you think head of the family was? I assumed there's a group of mutant people who terrorized town, which I got that (laughs) part right. yeah, Yeah, that's right. But, like, I just kind of assumed that it was, like, oh, you know, this. there's a scene where a person gets lured into the house. Yeah. I thought that was just going to be the opening scene. And then we okay. were just going to follow that person. I had no idea. Like, this movie's wild. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, like. Charlie Band decided to make a softcore uh, remake of Reanimator. Mm-hmm. And I, I dug the like, 
Skinamax meets like Stuart Gordon vibes. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. That's what it is. Like it's it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's jump into this then, Sam. Yeah. Head of the yeah. family. The most Charlie Band movie to ever Charlie Band. Head of the Family uh, stars Blake Bailey as Lance, a local restaurant owner who is intertwined in a love triangle with Loretta, Jacqueline uh, Lovell, and Howard, Gordon Jennison. The two lovebirds devise a plan to kill Howard by blackmailing the strange Stackpole family, which is the family Sam was talking about. They are led by Myron, who is a giant head with no body and only arms and legs. He is bound to a giant wheelchair. He controls his siblings, Otis, Wheeler, and Ernesto with his mind, and he uses this to play a game of, of cat and mouse with, with our main character, Lance. It's a game of intellect between two intellectuals. Lance. Between one intellectual and, and someone who thinks he's an intellectual. <laughs> This movie was released November 29th, 1996. It is written by Charles Band and Neil Marshall Stevens. It is also directed by the one and only Charles Band. Can we just get this out of the way? Our lead character, Lance, is such a piece of shit. <laughs> Everyone oh in this God. movie is. Well, Loretta's okay. Yeah. She's got her own motives, but she's okay. Yeah. She gets so she gets so pushed around and used in this movie that I'm just like, you know what? I don't even care that she does the little like I don't care how this movie ends up where she's like not necessarily on the right side of things. I'm like, yeah. no, do it. Good for you. Take mm -hmm. charge. <laughs> yeah, this movie looking at the poster and even the title is not what you would expect it to be. No. Cuz really like the family is actually kind of in the peripheral until the third act. Yes. Like they're not really a huge part of this, this movie for the first act. You're, you just, you're watching a love triangle between three people, three. Okay. Two horrible people. And one woman who could do better than either of them. <laughs> hey, she's trying <laughs> every person she ends up with in this movie. She's moving up in the world. Yeah, she is. That's true. That's well, at least true. monetarily. Monetarily, yeah. Yes. So let's talk. Let's talk about that. So Loretta is. I think Loretta, we could say, is not necessarily the main character. It's Lance, but she's the the driving point of the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Lance is the owner of this seeming small town diner, mm -hmm. and Loretta and. Howard seem to be very much like local people who go to this diner quite often. Yes. And Howard is this big piece of shit. So is Lance. Yeah. But Howard's an even And Loretta more has irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, sure. We'll put it that way. <laughs> she uses the, the private bathroom of this restaurant quite a bit. And Lance likes to show her the way. Yes. Which is hilarious. What did you... Okay. <laughs> what did you, I think when the... Like within the first five minutes, two people were like graphically, well, not graphically, it's it's pretty tame, but like yeah. just like going at it going and at having it. a like, but all, here's the thing all of Charlie the character Band doesn't all waste the... any time because he just like he's like, so what? They're having sex, let's have a conversation that moves the exposition forward while they're doing it. 
It is the one movie where you can say the sex scene is necessary because it moves the plot forward. It really does. Like every time they're having sex, you have to pay attention because exposition is happening. Charlie (laughs) does something in this movie where a movie like this with this type of plot where it is like someone framing someone else for murder and trying to get away with it and a love triangle intertwined with all that. You know, there's obviously has to be a dialogue scene of like, why are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Correct? Yeah. Yep. How does Charlie go about about that? He sets it up with two the two main characters in the bathroom, hashing things out together, both physically and verbally. Yeah. And I can't think of a, another director that would do that because it's yeah. so funny. And then, Yet it does move the plot forward. It does. And like, oh God. And then like, what's his face? I forget the douchebag guy's name. The the boyfriend with Howard. Harley. Howard. Howard. Which is like not the name you would expect the Harley riding asshole in town. No. <laughs> but yeah, Howard starts coming down and he's like, oh God, you're taking forever in there. He's like knocking on the bathroom and she's like screaming. Be quiet, Howard's coming. <laughs> and I'm like, he definitely heard that. <laughs> the, the back room in the restaurant is huge. It's a very big back room. <laughs> oh my god. It's great. Like I, that's the first two acts of this movie. <laughs> that's literally like that's I mean it there's, is there's a little like and I'm not saying that is a bad thing because the whole thing is like thoroughly entertaining. Like they switch up, like, and it's not just like Okay, get in the position, have sex, do the dialogue. Like, they make every sex scene different. They mm-hmm. make all the dialogue different. Like, every scene has a unique purpose. Like, this is the sleaziest, well-written script I've ever seen because it's so efficient. It's like, damn it. There are no wasted motions in this Charlie this, Brain. Charlie this Brain movie motion. cooks. If you, if you, if you even like look away for two seconds you're missing something yeah like you actually have to pay attention to head of the family you do like this is not i mean this is a movie that you can maybe be a little inebriated for but you can't be too inebriated because there's a lot to follow yes (laughs) did you watch the the joe bob presentation i wanted to i could not just due to time uh Yesterday, I had to just watch the movie because I was like, uh, I can watch the movie in 90 minutes or I can try to squeeze Joe Bob in for two and a half hours. And I was like, I should probably just watch the 90 minute one. And that was a good call because I was getting to bed late anyway. So I, I will say next time you watch it, watch the Joe Bob presentation. Yeah. Charlie's on it with him. Oh, I'm a- planning on it. I will definitely be watching this movie yeah. again. And it yeah. will be the Joe Bob presentation yeah. when I do. And Joe Bob does, if I'm remembering correctly, this was last season. He does say that like there's an efficiency to Charlie Band's filmmaking in this movie. It's insane. It really is. Like that's that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, this is efficient. Like he knows he wants. Like it's Charlie Band, so you have to have the supermodel in there. Yep. You have to have sex scenes for lack of it. like i mean you just do like that's that's it's how a charlie full moon. band it's operates a, it's a full moon movie you gotta have the nudity demonic toys gonna... oh yeah but that also... was somehow more gratuitous than this movie yes well that's and this movie has too, like, like all, a lot of it 
Yeah, I mean, okay, so I actually, well, in the first act, I thought, oh, these sex scenes are kind of sweet, like, you know? And then as, like, Lance goes on, you're kind of like, oh, no. Oh, you shouldn't be with him either. And then by the end, you're, like, really, like, okay, who's going to kill this guy? Yeah. Like, for real, someone kill this guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Uh, but for the first, like, act and a half, I was kind of taken aback. I was, like, I was swept up in the love story of it all. <laughs> yeah. Like, I genuinely was kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I hope they make it. And then by about He's, halfway through the second act, I'm like, oh, Loretta, do better. <laughs> Charlie sets up conflict right away in this movie. Yeah. And it's conflict that hooks you into the story. And then when things get even weirder, yeah, you're like, okay, now where is this going? Because we we see the two together. We see, we see Lance and Loretta. And they're at, like, Make Out Reef from mm -hmm. spongebob they're hanging out there um but they end up driving past the old the old house where the the uh the family lives the St stackpool family mm -hmm. and we see the three siblings basically set up this really terrible trap <laughs> that's this this gate that swings almost all the way to to block off the entire road almost but you and can has, drive around it. Yeah, and you can drive around it. And the characters do drive around it later on. Yep. But there's an arrow pointing towards the house that you have to go that way. So some random sucker falls for it, ends up at the house, and we see Lance Which... investigate it, and we see the three the three siblings drag the person into the house. Now, am I wrong, or is this a delivery driver? Could be a delivery driver. No, I, I don't... Do they not establish this? For some reason, I thought it was a delivery driver. And I was like, no delivery driver would fall for that. Because the delivery drivers in a small town like this would know where the roads were. Yeah. They would be like Lance. Yeah. So, but maybe it wasn't a... Maybe I don't think a, so. I think it was a Maybe random. I'm getting chicken guy and head in the family mixed up. Because I really like chicken guy. Okay. Guy. Well, either way. That guy was stupid. <laughs> he was stupid. They also established that behind this house, they have some Norman Bates pond that all these cars yeah. go into too. Yeah, it's kind of great. Um, <laughs> but that's 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 kind of Lance's ace in the hole, is that he can black uh, blackmail this family. Yep. And hire them basically to 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 kill Howard. Yeah, because the the family already has this established reputation that they're strange. They're out there. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the town would probably suspect that it would be them. <clears throat> Even if they did, no one would step up to them. Yeah, and if they did, no one would care because it's Howard. Yeah, and it it also like the way they portray this family because they they show up in the diner in the opening scene too. Yep. Or the like the three of the ones that aren't a giant head do, um, <laughs> and like the whole town, like it feels like the diner people just want to get them in and out, like mm -hmm. just get their stuff, get them taken care of, yeah. get them the get them the hell out of here, uh, and so it just yeah, it's an it's a good family to blackmail because no one wants anything to do with them. Yeah. Like, even if they went to town being like, hey, this this asshole is blackmailing us, people would be like, don't talk to me. Like, 
that's just the vibe that you that you get when this family comes into town. But the way Lance does it is so complicated, and maybe it's just because like he thinks I he's a lot. Word, sm- he thinks he's a lot smarter than he is. Yeah, yeah, and like all he's all he's really got is like a letter that goes to a lawyer, and it's like he could totally be making that up. You realize that, right? Like, he could totally be making that up. And even if the lawyer got the letter, who says the lawyer's going to send it to the cops? And even if the lawyer did send it to the cops, it's a letter from a weird guy. Like, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a respectable-ish business owner in the town. Yeah. I suppose suppose front-facing, yeah, he is. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, what would he have to gain from lying? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I suppose so. I just also kind of feel like if I'm a telepathic giant head who can control a guy that's size or that's as strong as, you know, I'm like, why would I care? (laughs) You're not too worried about a guy named Lance. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a little bit of credibility that you got to like, you got to suspend your disbelief for it a little bit. Like, I'm like, no, they would just snap this guy like a twig. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad they didn't because the movie... Like goes in some weird mm-hmm. places. Yeah. So when it gets to those weird places is when Myron gets introduced. Mm-hmm. And basically Otis, the big hulking brute sibling, <laughs> just breaks into Lance's house and takes him. Yep. Yep. Which Lance, who owns a business in this town, seems to be doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. Lives in the shitty ass like one bedroom apartment. With nothing yeah. on his walls? Come on, Lance. That feels like a budget choice. Yeah. <laughs> we spent it all on this incredible practical effect for Myron. Yeah. He looks, I love... He's so good. So some of the, like, camera trickery I really like. Because mm-hmm. you can kind of see, like, the seams where it's like, oh, he's just, like... Closer to the camera. More. Yeah, he's just <laughs> yeah. closer to the camera. It's like Orphan First Kill where there's just a lot of like forced perspective. Yep. And I love stuff like that. Like that practical in-camera yep. filmmaking. And Charlie talks about the, that a lot with this movie. I think he's very proud of this movie, as he should be. He should be. This is like, um, this was legitimately like, I could see this one going to theaters. Yeah. I I liked this one a lot. This and it's is not of- what I was expecting from a full moon. <laughs> And it's one of those movies where people like to give a lot of slag to to Charlie, and I I think it's mostly unwarranted. But when the guy puts in the work with something he's passionate about, something like this, head of the family, mm-hmm. think of all the filmmaking tools he puts into this movie, and kind of I don't want to say perfects, but puts puts into this movie to perfection. Yeah, where you have something like how do we film this giant head? in a wheelchair that only has arms and legs and make it look like he's the same size as these people. How do we film that? And he does this, this great force perspective, uh, perspective in this movie. And it's believable. I, it never yep. once takes you out of the movie. You never no. once like, yeah, that's just a, a puppet and people trying to make eye contact with it, even though they're 10 feet behind that. No, you don't ever think that. No. Also, we talked about with the writing. The writing is so streamlined in every single scene, but it's also so sleazy. Yeah. And it's like no one else can do that but Charles. Yeah. What was the line? Oh, the line that got me was like, 
Lance is confessing his love for Loretta. And it's like a really sweet soliloquy. And then at the end of it, he goes, when I'm with her, it's like fucking a firecracker. And I'm like, sure, guy. If that's what you want to end your big, like, love yeah. confession on, like, all right. <laughs> like, it's so great. Like, uh, some of the some of the dialogue in this is, is just insane. Mm-hmm. Again, but like yeah. looking at his Lance's plot of this is he hires again he he hires a lawyer, yep. and he gives the lawyer a letter explaining everything. Yeah, but then he makes sure his lawyer has a lawyer that also has a letter. Yeah, is what we're said in dialogue. Yeah, I, I don't do know. You, if do you buy the second lawyer thing, or do you think it's just him trying to sleaze his way out of it? No, I think he made it up on the spot. I 100% got that. I was like, I think he made that up. Like, there's no way there's a second lawyer. But I love how much of a con artist he is that you have to, like, he might have done that. He might have. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I like that. That is, (laughs) it's a battle of wits in this movie. And it's it's a good con because it's right in the, like, line of believability without crossing over. It's like, he could have done that. It seems a little far-fetched. Feels like he's grasping at straws. Mm-hmm. But shit, he's done crazy things. You know, yeah. like, I don't know. So, so the family does go about what he blackmailed them to do. Yeah. And what we find out is that they've been taking all these people because Myron wants an actual human body. They've been lobotomizing them. Yeah. It's and they ba- <laughs> The scene of, like, all the people lobotomized in the basement... Is like that reminds me of like a Stuart Gordon scene. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. It has that same type of vibe, like almost like Castle Freak in the basement of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we never figure out like what body he wants. No, he just he talks about finding the perfect body, and I'm yeah. like, there seems to be a lot of just random ass people mm-hmm. in that. Like, why are you just why would you not like look for a specific type of body? Or, you know, he, he wants a why body is it just that random can, people from the road <laughs> that can hold his his intellect is what. Yeah. And that's where I thought the movie was going a little bit, like with trying to have Lance like sort of match up to him. Oh, yeah. But they never really go that direction. Yeah, that is strange, isn't it? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be in that guy's body either. Either. He looks like a 90s douche, but. I mean, he definitely looks like the reason he's doing so well is because he's selling meth on the side. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't trust Lance. No. I don't trust Lance, like, at all. No. And he shouldn't. And Loretta learns to to not do that either um, when Lance is seduced by the other sister, Ernestina. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because it is already established that Lance knows that Myron is in all his siblings' heads, controlling them with his mind. But what I took from that is that, what's her name again? Esterina? Ernestina? Ernestina. Ernestina. What I took from that is she has like a pow- like a mutant power of seduction. Okay, like, and they do kind of say that in the dialogue later. Like, he could, like, I genuinely think when he says, like, I couldn't help it, I think that's actually, because Lance is a scuzzball. But like, that's I part of the problem. I don't know if. <laughs> well, either. yeah, and that's the thing. Like, part of me is like, that's what's kind of brilliant about this movie is like, 
you're right. Like a lot of the dialogue is on the nose, but it knows when to kind of leave things ambiguous. And especially like, I mean, we'll get to it, but the ending shot, it's like, oh shit. Like it never explicitly says what it's hinting at, but it's hinting at something, you know? And I kind of, I don't know. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's also a very creepy image to end on and unsettling. And I did not like it, but I liked it. If that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. So once, once Loretta figures out everything that's going on and she gets to meet the family for the first time, especially Myron, let's talk about that scene because again, she, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. She tries to seduce Myron. And you get the great tongue gag. Licking her nipple gag. Yeah. So gross and disgusting. That's where Joe Bob cuts in the last drive-in too. And it's so funny. That does not like right after that scene. Yep. Yeah. That seems like a Joe Bob cut for sure. For sure. There were there were like moments in this movie where it would like, and even in like uh demonic toys where it'd do like a fade to black or it'd cut to the next scene and i could almost hear the like static and yeah. then the little like harmonica play and i'm like there's where joe bob cut it yeah. like <laughs> yeah so that was that scene and that is one of the most famous scenes from this movie for sure i feel like i may have like seen that at some point mm-hmm. early on because there were there were times in this movie where I got a little bit of like deja vu. Um, but I know I've never actually like sat down and watched this before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if I've just seen like clips through, cause I watch a lot of like yeah. horror docs and like YouTube clips and stuff like that. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That scene is, it's great. Like how uh, desperate she is and like she sells the desperation while also trying to be very convincing to Myron, who, like, I don't think is falling for this one bit. Like, I I think I maybe think he's at first... Fall- I, I don't think he's falling for it to, like, save Lance at all and let her go. I think he's more following falling for it because he's like, yeah, like, once I get in a body, me and Loretta, sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I... Uh, who uh, who's the the actress that plays Loretta? Because uh, she's incredible. Jacqueline Lavelle. Okay, so she is like she's hands down uh, to me the best part of this movie. Um, I love her performance. She's so like I feel like she's very strong willed and self sufficient. Even when she's, you know, like literally tied up and naked, which does happen at the end of this movie. Um, Like, there's just a sense that she still has control and autonomy. She knows what she wants. And like, she's still in control of the situation that she's in. Yeah. And that's something that like really surprised me is like, I actually feel like she was a fairly empowered female character, which is not necessarily something I associate with like B movie schlock and full moon and like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like my entry point, like a, the, the viewer entry point for this movie is Loretta yeah. because she's, she's not necessarily a good person through and through, 
but she's probably the sanest person in this entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> like she knows what she's doing. She knows what she wants and she's going to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, I love that. I don't know. So shout out to Jacqueline Lovell. She's, she's, yeah, she's legitimately like incredible. She's in, in quite movie. a few full moon movies too. Yeah. I was kind, of, kind of looking a, up a full moon staple. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I was looking up some of these like other actors and stuff and, uh, it seems like, well, A, I think Charlie just likes working with some similar people. But, uh, yeah, I saw that she had done, like, a ton of Full Moon stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Have you seen any other stuff that she's been in? or I don't know if I have or not. He kind okay. of has this revolving door, especially in the 90s, of the couple of the same women in yeah. movies. Yeah. Charlie has a type. He has a type. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, bl- I don't blame him. Don't blame no. him. Um, when when Myron bites the dust in this movie, I find it so funny. Oh my god, it's such it's a fun flying like, head, and it looks and so good. It does. It's like they, they, I mean, they had to have just like made a dummy, right? Yeah, and flung and, it down the steps. Yeah, and they just flung it down the steps, and the little body, like almost like fluttering after yeah. his head, is hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! So funny, and yeah, but you never actually. Here's the thing: you never see him die. You never see him die. Mm-hmm. You just see him like with a little blood running out of his mouth down at the bottom of the stairs, and he's a little like uh, passed out. And maybe he comes back later. We don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it. But I mean, the movie ends with uh, yeah. with with Loretta hooking up with Otis at the end. Yeah. Uh, once, once everybody she dies out, in the house fire <laughs> everybody dies in the house burning down and she and Otis uh, escape Otis saves her who he kind of becomes the hero of the movie yeah with saying two lines pretty girl yeah um and and you know that's how the movie basically ends is Loretta ends up with Otis because he has all the yeah. money he's gonna inherit from the family she takes him to the courthouse so they can elope mm-hmm. Otis doesn't even say I do and mm-hmm. The the guy who the efficient is like clearly not okay with it, and he still marries him. Yeah. It's like and they went to his house in the middle of the night and woke him up. Yeah, to perform so this funny. marriage ceremony. Like he's like nothing about this is right, but sure, what the hell? Yeah. And I love the part where he's like, "You may kiss the bride," and she goes, "Oh no, we're just gonna skip that part." <laughs> <laughs> like that's so funny. Oh god. And then, of course, they start walking away. And Loretta's very pleased because she just got the Stackpool fortune. Mm-hmm. It's all hers. And then Otis, doesn't he speak? He says something. Or does he not? Is it just the sure. laugh? I'm not sure. Either way, Otis's whole body language changes and he smiles and he starts laughing a lot like Myron would have. Yep. And that's how the movie ends. Yeah. It's creepy. It's a really creepy ending. So, Head of the Family does not have any direct sequels right now. I didn't think so. I didn't see anything. It was announced, I think it's on the VHS, actually, of Head of the Family, that coming soon was Bride of the Head of the Family. And it is still on Full Moon's docket all these years later of a movie Charlie still wants to make. Really? Yes. Actually, if you... Yeah. 
hold on. I'll pull. There's a poster of Bride of the Head of the Family. I'll show it to you. I'll pull it up here as we're talking. Which is, you know, obviously a very Charlie Band thing to do. Oh, yeah. Do you see it? Oh, yeah. Here, Holy I'll crap. Share, I'll share it on this. Oh, my God. This looks awesome. Why has this not happened? Share it on the screen. Can you see it? Uh, there it is. Yes, now I can. Oh, yep. my God. Why has this not happened? Yep. Of all the full moon movies that should have spawned like eight <laughs> sequels, it's this one. Yeah. So it, Legit, it, dude, I love this movie. <laughs> it has been in the works for a long time, Bride of the Head of the Family. I think it will eventually happen. I think Charlie is looking for hopefully some more money to make it. Obviously, this is a movie he is passionate about, as we talked about in our kind of passionate discussion on the on the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, you loved it. You loved Head of the dude. Family. I loved Head of the Family. Like I, I legit like this might be, this might be one that I throw on a lot. Like I genuinely think this movie ruled. Mm-hmm. Um, we should make our own giant head movie and then send it to Charlie and see yeah. if he'll let us direct Bride of the Head of the Family. <laughs> hey, we're making the 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 teddy bear movie. We'll let Charlie mm-hmm. have Bride yeah. of the. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Charlie Charlie needs to stick with his his baby. His franchise, yeah, with his baby. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I Yeah, I had watched this uh, obviously on Joe Bob's last drive-in. That was the last time I watched it with Charlie on the show, which was a ton of fun. It was a ton of fun to revisit this wild, wacky, crazy movie. Again, I talked at the beginning of the episode on trying to pick two full moon movies that kind of capture the spirit of it. This is definitely one that I would throw in there because it is this big, again, big wild concept from the mind of Charles Band. It introduces some comic book elements in it too with a superpowered family and each person kind of has their individual superpower, if you will. Nice. Uh, you know, like the the guy with the, the glasses, Wheeler, has yep. know, superhuman hearing. The superhuman, he superhuman hearing, yeah. Superhuman strength from Otis. Um, you kind of had this like seduction seducer yeah. from Ernestina. like a vampire that doesn't yeah. suck your blood, just something else. Um, <laughs> and then you have Myron, the head who controls the entire family with his mind. He's like Charles Xavier's effed up cousin. Yeah, yeah, very effed up cousin. Yeah, he's a creep. He's a creep. He likes to he's lick things with a giant tongue. <laughs> Yeah, head of the yeah. family rules. I think I would give it a. Th- I don't know what I gave it on Letterbox. I think I might have given it a three. It's a three you and a half. Gave it star. a three. I think I get bump it up, bump that up to three and a half for sure. Here's where I am gonna be crazy, and I'm gonna say this is a four star movie. I love it. I I like legit, dude. I don't know, man. Maybe it was just like I was just feeling the vibe mm-hmm. last night when I watched it, but like. It was so funny. And Maria was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm like, I really don't know anything about this movie. I have no idea if you're going to like it. And she goes, I'll just go into the other room then. And if you like it more than two and a half, like if you give it more than two and a half stars and you want to watch it again, I'll watch it again with you. I'm giving it four stars, but I don't think I'm going to watch it with Maria because I don't <laughs> think she's going to like it. 
You should watch it with her. Any watch, watch the Joe you know Bob presentation. Yeah, I, I think I will because, like, she might. I don't know. Yeah. She might like the same things about it that I did. Yeah. Um. I just, yeah. I genuinely, I think Loretta is a great character. Mm-hmm. I like. Man, I just, I kind of want to watch this movie again already. To be honest with you, dude. Like, it's like, okay, I'm not gonna say it's on chopping mall level, but I could see it getting there. I could see it being in my rotation with like reanimator, chopping mall, like, you know, comfort food horror. Movies. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Head of the family. Check it out, everybody. Head of the family. And check out Demonic Toys. Not as high of a recommendation no. for me, but still very fun. Still yeah. weird. Still yep. cool. Well, that's it. Sam, you made it. You survived the full moon frenzy. This was the easiest bet I've ever lost. Like, (laughs) and that's what, that's why I was leaned into these two movies. I'm like, I want to find two movies that Sam might fall in love with. I at least got one. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty good. Like I felt hard, dude. Yeah. Head of the family rules. Head of the family rules. If every, if every B movie was as like, I don't know. Just, I'm going to use this word. If every B movie was as magical as head of the family, I'd be like the happiest person on earth because like, ah, they should should put that on the VHS art. (laughs) If every musical or if every movie was as magical as head of the family. (laughs) All right, Sam. Well, that's it. We, we made it. We made it through the full moon the full moon frenzy on this episode. We talking almost twice talking head of the family. It might end up twice as long or at least the combined length of both of these movies. I was about to say, you might be able to watch both of these movies in the time it took for us to discuss all of this. Yes. But that just tells you how freaking good they are. <laughs> yeah. Obviously we had a ton, ton of fun. We talked about both of these movies for over an hour. So if you oh, haven't yeah. watched them or haven't watched them in a while, go check. I think we would say go check both of them yeah. out. Head Check of the family for sure. Maybe follow uh, follow that with Demonic Toys after. Yeah, hell yeah. All right, Sam, let's get to the plugs then before we wrap things up for today. All right. Well, if you like this episode and you want more, you can always subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and Anchor. And if you like watching us, you can join us on the YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get those notifications going so that you know when episodes are dropping. Every other Friday, we're having fun with them. We hope you are too. And if you want any more cool content, just to see what we're posting, what we're up to, and uh, you know, to talk to us when stuff like the last drive-in is happening, mm-hmm. you can talk to uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search "Screams from the Basement" podcast, and you'll find us. Also, another plug: we just released this past Monday a brand yes. new bonus episode. We spoke with Curtis David Harder the filmmaker behind the Shutter original film Influencer. He previously uh, directed the Shutter original Spiral, and he's produced, uh, what, a half dozen other oh, yeah. Shutter films? At least, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were very, very lucky to have uh, Curtis join us on the podcast to talk about his new film, film Influencer, which is streaming right now on Shutter. So definitely go give the podcast a listen and the movie a watch as well. Hell yeah. Yeah. Support indie horror. Curtis was an awesome talk, man. Check out that interview. And uh, yeah, Influencer, when this episode drops, will be on Shutter. So check that out too. Yes, it will. 
All right, Sam, let's end this thing. Sam, four screens from the basement, give us that sign off. You're Casey. I'm Sam. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in and sweet screams, y'all. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.